0: Good evening, everyone. They got me. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our meeting this evening. This is the Monday, April 22nd meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education. Our first order of business is the Pledge of Allegiance, and I bring forward the students from East Antioch to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise. Thank you. That was excellent. And would you like to introduce yourselves today?
1: We would. Uh huh Welcome. My name is Felicia Nedelecki, and I'm the principal at East Antioch. I'd like to welcome you all here this evening. I have a very special group of first graders from Mrs. Fagan's first grade class at East Antioch. And this is Mrs. Fagan. This is her 15th year teaching um, in the Shawnee
2: Mission School District.
1: Ms. Fagan, yep. you want to introduce yourself to sure. some of your students?
2: I'm Mrs. Fagan, and we think that we have the best first grade class
3: that he's standing <laughs> on. So we're gonna we're gonna take that honor. And you guys, come
4: on over. You can introduce yourselves. Okay. My name's McKenna, and um, I like um the Earth because Earth is our home. <laughs> Oh, okay. my, na- my name is Logan. I like recess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're fine talking right there, Easton. It'll pick you up. Just
4: yeah, You're okay. My name is Easton. I like playing with my friends at recess. Just stand
1: right
4: there. My name is Halison. I like... Playing with my friends at Lisa's.
5: <laughs>
4: my name is Paisley and I like math. All right. Hi, <laughs> Madeline. My name is Madeline and I like taking care of the earth. Good job. <laughs> my name is Daly and I like recess.
6: <laughs>
0: Thank you very much for being here. We sure appreciate your coming by to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. You did a great job. Thank you. <clears throat> Before we move down the agenda, I want to see if there are any other students that are here today, particularly for a, a class assignment. You want to raise your hand if you're here for a class assignment.
7: All right. <laughs>
0: Just shout out the schools that you're from. Washington,
8: North, North
0: west. west, okay. North and west. Any others? All right. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I assume those other three high schools are going to wait till the very last minute before they come, right? <laughs> With that, we're going to move on to item 1.03, and that's the adoption of the agenda. I'll seek a motion to adopt. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as presented, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That's 6-0. And with that, we'll move on to the approval of the minutes. This is item 1.04. This is the approval of the minutes from our meeting uh, of April 8th. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. I'll second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the minutes of the meeting of April 8th, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Um, And with that, we move on to item 2.01, the superintendent's report, Dr. Fulton.
9: Okay, thank you, and uh, we thank everyone for coming out this evening. I want to start off by uh, sharing that we recently announced Shawnee Mission's Kansas Teacher of the Year nominees. They are Natalie Johnson Berry, an English language arts teacher at Shawnee Mission North, and Melissa Montani, Montani, a second grade teacher at Corinth Elementary School. Their outstanding work will be recognized by the state of Kansas. I had the joy of recognizing these nominees as well as teachers from across the district who were nominated for the Kansas Teacher of the Year Award by their school communities at a recent district event. Our educators deserve all of the recognition in the world and we thank them for all that that they do. Many of the highest honors at this year's Greater Kansas City Science and Engineering Fair were presented to Shawnee Mission School District students. Of the three grand awards presented at the fair, two were presented to our students. Peyton Panovic, a senior biotechnology signature student and Shawnee Mission West High School student earned a grand award and several recognitions for her research related to colon cancer. Amy Chong, a senior biotechnology signature program and Shawnee Mission West student earned a grand award and several recognitions for her research related to mitochondrial function. Congratulations to both of these students. The Shawnee Mission School District has its own showcase of student innovation and achievement coming up on May 4th. The annual research and development forum will feature student projects in science, technology, engineering, arts and the math. The R&D Forum will also feature inter- interactive activities, exhibits, and musical performances. The R&D Forum will be held from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, May 4th at Shawnee Mission West High School, and I encourage people to come out and see that. We uh, had a very exciting uh, recognition of a sophomore at Shawnee Mission North, Hannah L. Morinville will be presented with a 2019 Princeton Prize in race relations for the greater Kansas City area. Olive Henry, a junior at Shawnee Mission East, will be presented with a certificate of accomplishment. These students were selected in recognition of their work to improve harmony and understanding among all groups in their schools and communities. They will be honored at a ceremony in Kansas City this month. Amelia Suptic, a sixth grader at Prairie Elementary, was named a top three winner for an essay she submitted to the Kindest Kansas, Kansas Cityan Contest. She wrote an essay about Billy Brimelcombe Jr., who started a nonprofit called Steps of Faith to help people obtain needed prosthetic devices. Her essay was selected out of nearly 5,000 submissions to the contest. SUPTIC will be honored at an award ceremony in May. And then we recently had the uh, opportunity to honor Dustin Springer, instructional coach at Marion Park, who was honored on the field of Sporting KC game as a Sporting Samaritan. The honor, presented by Sporting KC and Blue Cross of Blue Shield of Kansas City, is given to recognize teachers and students who make the community a better place to live, work, and play. Springer was honored for the many ways he helped students at Marion Park connect with the community. Students, we have a lot of recognition tonight, lots of good things happening. So here's some more. Students in the Animation and Game Design Signature Program were honored at the annual Imagine Media Festival. Nine Shawnee Mission competitors finished in the top ten of their categories and Zen Dalton earned first place recognition for his 3D mechanical animation. Congratulations to all of those students. Shawnee Mission North Navy Junior Reserve Officers Training Corps just added to its long list of national championship titles. The team earned first place in the arm regulation drill at this year's NJROTC National Championship, which was held in Pensacola, Florida. The team also earned several top 10 placings in other competition categories. The NJ ROTC now holds thirty-five national titles and is concluding their season with a 72-and-5 record for the year. Congratulations to all of the members of the NJ ROTC. Well now it's time to recognize this month's Shawnee Mission All-Stars. I'm pleased to welcome Holly Hill, coordinator of the Little Horizons early Learning Center, to introduce tonight's first honoree.
10: Good afternoon. I am so pleased to announce Blanca Reyes as a Shawnee Mission All-Star. Wow. We work with infants and toddlers um, every day, and it Takes a special kind of person to work with infants and toddlers all day long, and Blanca is is very talented person, very gifted, um, working with all ages of kids. She always has a smile on her face, um, no matter what the day is, and she's great talking to the kid or talking to the kids and giving them great learning experiences all throughout the day. Um, she has great communication with the families and she is, if I, want, if I could clone somebody um, in the workplace, I would definitely clone Blanca. So I understand that there's a video that they want to play um, and we can see all the great things that Blanca is doing in the classroom. We
1: had a little turtle, his name was Tiny Tim. We put him in the bathtub to see if he... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We had a little turtle His name was Tiny Tim We put him in the bathtub To see if he could swim
11: Miss Blanca has a smile that lights up the room And that's the first thing really that you notice That and her gift for nurturing children Anytime I stop by And she talks to me It's always about what we can do To improve and serve the needs of the students And I think that's really what shines through And really makes her an all-star She graduated from Horizons Her kids
10: went through the program. And now she's been here um, as an employee for 11 years and so she just has this natural gift with kids. It's um, awesome. You always find her on the floor with the kids engaging Um, and what I love about her is that she really works hard on trying for the kids to reach their highest potential.
11: The Little Horizons Early Learning Center, which is located at Horizons High School, has actually been around since the 1970s. It started as a program serving the children of our teen parents, which is a mission that we continue today. We actually thought about how could we grow this program, so we offered it as a benefit to the staff in the Shawnee Mission School District. So today we serve infants and toddlers of both our teen parents and staff members in Shawnee Mission. Blanca is very welcoming, and she always has a smile on her face. Our daughter has been going to Little Horizons since she was an infant, and she's now two years old. And Blanca has been her teacher the
12: entire time, and she always seems to enjoy it and have fun there.
6: Blanca is an excellent asset that we have at Little Horizons. Uh, She's very compassionate. She
0: has an amazing passion for our young ones, uh, infants and toddlers.
6: Uh, Kids are definitely better for being around Blanca.
10: I am so proud that you are winning this award. You really deserve it, and we
11: are so lucky to have you. Congratulations, Blanca. Thank you for everything you do. You truly are an all-star here at Little Horizons.
13: I'm a little nervous, but I want to thank everybody, especially the opportunity. I've been there 11 years. I mean, I am thankful. They're like my children every day. As much as I would like to, people to care for my children, I want them to care for, for me. That's how I would treat them. Like they're my own children every day. They come and see me. They love on me. I love on them. The good thing is I get to sleep at night and I don't hear the crying. I am blessed on that part because mine are grown. They're teenagers, but I am very, very excited that I received this. As much as I've been working, I am very dedicated to my job and dedicated to those children. Thank you.
14: Thank you.
9: Congratulations. And now we want to welcome Casey Weiser, who will introduce our next honoree.
15: Good evening. Thank you for having me. At Ray Marsh, our vision is every student, every day. Tonight's all-star, third-grade teacher, Amy Frick, puts kids first in all that she does. Her colleagues describe her as thoughtful, collaborative, reflective, and a community builder. When I asked her students to describe their teacher, they said she was sweet, nice, amazing, and funny. In her 18 years of teaching, Amy has become a true leader and an example to her colleagues to follow. She seeks opportunities to teach her students about diversity and recently wrote a grant to be a part of the Kansas City Kids Unite project. She was instrumental in connecting with the new Johnson County Museum, where her students provided input into the design of the kids' wing of the building. She serves Ray Marsh on the building leadership team, site council, and is the project lead the way coordinator. It is my honor to introduce to the board this month's All-Star, Amy Frick.
6: Amy Frick is exceptionally kind. For her, it's always kids first. That's where you can see the spark in her come alive.
1: She's always willing to step out of her comfort zone and um, try things to make it the best experience for
10: kids. Good morning, Esther.
6: She's constantly um, assessing how the kids are doing, uh, talking with the kids and providing feedback, and, and really making sure that each kid's getting that individualized instruction that they need.
14: There's a lot of kids
5: with a lot of energy in that classroom, <laughs> and she works with it. Instead of letting it work against her, she um, incorporates it into things they do.
4: My favorite thing about Miss Frick is probably how she encourages us. What she does is she'll give us mints and gum, which makes that really fun. One of her greatest skills
1: is developing those relationships with those kids. And she just knows, knows what they need. She's very aware of everything they bring to the, to the
6: classroom.
4: It's awesome she won because she's an awesome teacher and she's spectacular in every way.
6: And that's what I think is special about her and why she deserves this award is because she's being recognized by a colleague for going above and beyond for her kids and really, really ensuring that they have a great successful year.
1: Congratulations, Amy,
5: you so deserve this award.
1: Amy, I love working with you every day. You make it a great joy to come to work, to be and to learn with you and from you. You're such a great inspiration to all your kids. Congratulations.
4: Congratulations, Miss Rick, I'm glad you won the award. You mean a lot to me and you're special.
6: Amy, we are so proud of the work that you've done in our building and for our kids. This is a most deserving award for somebody who is so kind and so unique.
4: You are awesome, Mrs. Frick. You are the one of the best teachers I've ever had, and I think you're awesome. And thank you for being so kind, nice, and honest to me.
16: Something prepared. Now I'm not quite sure (laughs) but two things that was pj day by the way and the mince and gum were only because of assessments, state assessments that helped us that is not every day I promise um you know uh, I at the beginning of every school year um, I always tell my students that I have two beautiful kids of my own but that at school they are my school kids and I love them just as much and want just as much for them I cannot imagine having any other job uh, love love doing everything I can for my kids and my families so I, I thank the board so much for inviting me here tonight thank my family for being here and of course mr. Weiser and just our amazing staff at Ray Marsh that make me better every day thank you thank you so much
9: Well, congratulations to all the honorees and, and students being recognized. And that concludes my report.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Fulton. And I'm gonna give those the permission that came just for that, that. They don't have to stay for the whole meeting if they don't want to. <laughs> With, that, we'll move on to- <laughs> With that, we'll move on to item 2.02, and that's an update on our strategic planning process. And Dr. Fulton will give us that. Well, good evening. We've been hard at work, and we give you a very brief overview of
9: uh, activities to date on the strategic plan. Uh, as you know, we've talked about this slide that you see on the screen. We're really focusing on working from our strengths to create an even better Shawnee mission, which is should always be our goal. And so, to date, we have uh, identified three key objectives. The first one, of course, deals with personalized learning plans for students. The second one, we want to make sure that every child is college and career ready, that they have those important understandings that they need for their personal success. And then we also, of course, want our students to be able to interact with others in ways that are productive uh, and make the world a better place. So we talked about those three objectives. Those, those are part of our North Star. we going back to those at every action uh, planning meeting. Uh, we also talked a little bit about... Some of the research that goes with improving teaching and learning, that you can see in the, in the red area things that don't make a, uh, in fact, it can have a negative impact on student learning, things like summer breaks and so on. And we go all the way over to the blue where we have some research that says there's certain things that if we do those extraordinarily well, it makes a big difference in the life of a child and, and how they do academically uh, during their time in school. At the very top of that list is, list is teacher efficacy, this simple notion that as educators, if we work together toward a common goal and we organize ourselves around that goal and support students in their learning, that you're going to have much higher likelihood of supporting every child in their academic success. There are some others, such as students engaged in reflecting on where they are as a learning learner, being able to report out uh, grades, for example, if I know where I am as a learner and I know what grades I have and I can articulate that to others, then I'm really doing a good job of setting goals and helping my, myself grow as a learner. And then, of course, other indicators such as response to intervention, having good supports in place for all students. Uh, then we talked about the fact that as you go through these meta-analysis and research, there are some things that really start to stand out. I just mentioned a few of those. But we talked about these specific eight strategies that appear. Being intentional about instruction. Getting good feedback as a learner. We all need that, regardless of age. Getting multiple exposures to ideas. You know, you hear something once, that doesn't mean you've learned it. Especially if it's important learning. And uh, helping students to work well together. And also building self-efficacy. That idea that if I view myself as someone who can achieve, and I have the conditions in which that happens, then that almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The challenge, of course, in schools is, is that we really have to work as a team to make that happen. We're always a little short on resources. That's always a challenge, no matter where you are in the country. So you take the resources you have, you create the very best learning environments that you can based on good, solid research, and make sure that all students are successful in your school. So with that as a foundation, the action planning teams went off and conducted their work. Um, Of course, the the group that worked on imagining teaching and learning to personalize learning experiences, they spent time in research teams sharing and discussing research that was brought back to the group around best practices in regards to personalized learning and also, making sure that students are socially emotionally prepared to learn. The teams working on action steps that can be included in the final uh, recommendations. The second group focused on unifying, ac- creating a unified, equitable, and inclusive culture. They looked specifically at policies, procedures, and accountability, along with professional development best practices that would practices that would support that strategy. <laughs> They then began to talk about four specific areas of the work. A culture of acceptance and inclusion as reflected in recruitment and hiring, honoring and celebrating diversity, celebrating all students, regardless of race, gender, religion, sexual orientation or disability, and having consistent and equitable discipline practices. The third group, which focuses on cultivating quality educators, also engaged in sharing research, they based their research, uh, based on the research, small groups worked collaboratively to develop action ideas. The team used a protocol to rate the quality of their proposed ideas. The protocol included a process to narrow the scope of the ideas to five or six potential action steps. And then as small groups, team members worked to edit the action ideas into the final action steps. And we reminded the action teams, you know, there are five action teams. And the, the, the indicator of quality product is not coming up with a lot of different things to do, but coming up with a few levers under each strategy that make the biggest difference in helping us to achieve the objective. So actually less is more in that sense. The fourth group, which is working on designing systems, reviewed systems research completed by individual members of the action team, the reviews submitted prior to this meeting were grouped into three distinct areas: systems and shared leadership, community and learning, and the whole child and competencies. Groups were formed around each topical area to determine similarities and differences, as well as take steps to write action ideas that they can send forward. The group ended the evening with sample action plans from a number of different districts and organizations for the team to review prior to the next meeting. And then finally, we have a group that's working on facilities. Team members shared out their research and presented to the whole group. There was a presentation of previous bonds that was shared by Bob Robinson. Action plan examples were provided and teams began to work on action plans, creating a uh, result statement and steps whereby they could reach each of their goals. So that's the summary of the work so far. More meetings will continue between now and the end of the school year. And then as a reminder, in June, we'll. The action plans will take those to the steering committee, they'll review them, they'll provide them to me, and then I'll bring to you at our June board meeting a a final recommendation for our strategic plan. Are there any questions? Questions from board members?
0: It's logistical. So remind me, the action teams are made up of how many, roughly how many folks on each of these teams?
9: Approximately 30 uh,
0: members, staff, parents, students, community members. All right. and they met last week, and then they'll continue to meet a couple more times. They will.
9: Okay. Uh, they're they're in, they're kind of at the midpoint of that process, and then they'll wrap up here in the next six weeks.
0: Great. Thank you for the update. Okay. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Now we'll move on to item two point zero three. This is board report, and uh, we've got several items here. The first one, I'll I'll turn to Reverend Guy. Any update from Smack PTA?
17: Dr. Fulton and I met with the SMAC PTA group last Monday evening I believe and um, talked give, gave them an update too on the strategic planning process and had a good conversation with them um, and just a reminder they have a school of instruction coming up on May 8th and this is for anyone who is going to be in uh, leadership for the next year. It's an opportunity to, to learn about what those responsibilities entail so I encourage you to check out their website if you're interested in learning more about that.
0: Thank you. And Mrs. Owsley, update on uh, the Education Foundation.
12: Um, They had a speaker last week, Dr. Samari, who's the Executive Dean of KU Med Center, and he spoke on leadership, Um, and it was great. It was an hour-long, open to the public. Um, He was asked what he would recommend to students in order to succeed and he said become an expert in whatever subject it is that interests you because that's how you become a leader because no one wants to follow someone who doesn't know what they're talking about <laughs> so basically at the end of the day he said study really hard um but it was fascinating and we appreciated him coming and, and giving the talk
0: thank you uh ksb any updates mrs zila
2: no not really we meet again in early june All
0: Right. thank you and uh, Dr. Sinclair is not here today, so I'll turn to Mrs. Goodburn, Constituent Services.
2: We have a meeting scheduled this week.
0: Great. Thank you. Uh, professional services, any updates, Mrs. Eva? Uh,
2: well, we have um, reopened the application process again, which will close at the end of this month. And we'll, we will sometime shortly after that start to review the candidates that, we have, that have applied.
0: Okay, and that's for legal services? Yes. Thank you. Correct. All right. Thank you. And then our new committee, Policy Review Committee, is up and running. And uh, I'll turn to Mrs. Goodburn to give an update, as well as Mrs. Zila, who also serves on that, because we're going to be addressing a few items today coming out of that committee.
3: So we did meet last week, and yes, um, basically met for a couple, about two and a half hours and reviewed the policies that you see later on today. So we'll discuss those individually as we come across them on the agenda.
0: All right. Anything else to add to that? No. Okay. We will
2: talk more about them later.
3: We
0: will. All right. Thank you. Uh, with that, we will move on to item 2.04. This is the board financial report. And Mr.
18: Knapp. Well, good evening. Um, so tonight on the, uh, the board attachment is your board report for your review, and that is as of March 31st, 2019. We continue to monitor that each month um, at our May 13th, uh, board meeting, we'll go over operating funds so I can give you an update on how our operating funds are doing at that time. We've been keeping an eye on some of those algae points that we mentioned a couple months ago. So we'll present that to you May 13th. Um, but tonight I wanted to focus on a little bit of bond and interest. Um, that's a fund that's on your your board report. Um, we have an opportunity to defease some bonds. So we get to call them early. So you save a little money on some bond and interest. Um, that, so there's an agenda item under consent. It's 4.11, and that will be uh, for your consideration later on tonight. Um, but I brought um, David Arterberry, So you guys know him. He's our financial advisor. Um, come on up, David. Oh, there you are. From George K. Baum. He's going to explain to you, give you a good summary on what the defeasement means and if you had any questions. Thank you,
19: Welcome, David. <laughs>
18: Welcome.
19: Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. And. Um, as Russell was mentioning, what I wanted to really briefly do is go over with you uh, a little bit about the defeasance resolution that you have on, on your agenda tonight. Um, to give you a little background, uh, a lot of times when we're working with the school district, uh, particularly one that might be looking forward to an election for, for bonds within the next few years, we really like to um, to coach the school districts to try to keep their bond and interest levy fairly steady in advance of the election. Um, now usually um, the bond and interest levy will be pretty steady, but sometimes it can fluctuate. Um, not so much as a result of a change in your bond payment, but sometimes it will fluctuate because uh, you might have delinquencies and taxes grow, you might have assessed valuation changes, you might get a big payment of back taxes. so. Um, A school district tries to stabilize its middle levy a lot of times by adjusting the cash basis reserve in in the bond and interest fund. Um, And when I was talking to Russell last year when you were preparing your current budget, um, I talked to him about an alternative that you could look at um, to keep your mill levy stable without actually having to um, adjust your reserves, and, and that involves actually calling bonds. Um, what you have the ability to do, and we're finding more and more school districts around the state are doing this now, is taking some of the cash reserve that they have in their bond and interest fund, and instead of using that just to put into a surplus or keep in a surplus, actually using those monies to, to pay off bonds early. Um, and the school district, um, Shawnee Mission schools in their last budget, uh, had earmarked about $3 million of surplus that could be used to pay some bonds off early. Um, and the resolution that you have in front of you in your consent agenda basically sets the wheels in motion to take that $3 million, uh, and to set it aside to pay bonds off. Um, the, the bonds, the money would be put into an irrevocable escrow account. Uh, That escrow account would then be dedicated towards paying off about three million dollars of outstanding bonds. Um, Once that escrow is set up, those bonds are considered legally defeased and they're they're off your books. Um, Once they're off your books, you actually will save then, you, you eliminate the interest that would be due on those bonds. In um, that, we came up with about a figure of about $290,000 of savings you'd receive. Uh, in addition, obviously, it keeps your mill levy stable, uh, and as an added benefit, it really provides more capacity uh, for your your next bond election. You could borrow a little bit more money without having to, to increase your your mill levy. Um, so that's really what the resolution does. And, Um, Russell has done a little bit of projecting and there would probably be an opportunity in your next budget to actually pay off some more bonds early, uh, maybe as much as, you know, $4.5 million or so. So that's kind of a summary. I know we kind of dove into the weeds of of budgeting there a little bit, but uh, I think it's sort of a nice opportunity not only to uh, pay off debt early, but to, to save some money and to put yourself in a little better position for a future bond issue. Okay. Great questions. Anybody have?
0: Leave it to this guy to have one. Um, the difference between defeased and, and pre-refunded, is it the same thing?
19: Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, once the escrow is set up, those bonds are legally considered defeased. Um, when the bonds, though they're being marketed, they're, they are considered pre-refunded. Anybody that owns one of those bonds would now have a pre-refunded bond um it those bonds will though they'll be paid off um, they're callable next year so that escrow defeases them or pre-refunds them to their call date next year and are all of our
0: bonds that are outstanding Do they all have call provisions or just certain ones that certain tranches we
19: can call? Uh, Certain ones. These bonds um, that have been identified are part of your 2012 bond issue. Uh, Your your other bond issues, um, they're not callable yet. Um, They're callable, um, I think, in about six or seven years. Right. Thanks. Sure. All right. Any other questions on this
0: opportunity? All right. Thank you, David. All right, with that, uh, we'll move on to item 2.05. This is our public comment section. A couple of quick updates and, and re- guidelines, rather, for our process. And we have four folks that uh, would like to come forward and share some thoughts with us. As a reminder, um, here's a few reminders to help with the speakers to have a constructive and positive experience when presenting your comments to the board, when making comments uh, in public comment. Please proceed to the podium. When your name is called and share your name, your city of residence, what schools your children may attend if applicable in the name of any group or organization you are presenting. Please limit your remarks to three minutes. Uh, please make your comments from behind the podium. And if comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or designee to address the comments at that time or when it's up for board discussion and generally responses from board members during public are. Public comment are limited to clarifying questions. And with that, uh, the first person I'll uh, introduce and bring forward
20: is Ryan Harms.
7: Welcome. Thank you.
20: Thank you for your time to speak this evening. My name is Ryan Harms. I'm the son of two educators and a Shawnee Mission School District alumni. I'm proud to say the education I received from the schools I attended within the district not only prepared me to get my degree from the University of Kansas, but also to help me succeed in my early career. I'm a married Lenexa homeowner and a taxpayer for SMSD. I say this now because I simply would like to acknowledge I have nothing but respect for the district. For 13 years, I've worked for Sumner One and Lenexa, an office solutions company who's the standard in the Kansas City education marketplace with more clients in K-12 and higher education than any other provider. In 2009, we had the opportunity to compete for the SMSD print services business finishing second to RICO in the RFP based on price. In 2014, Shawnee Mission School District upgraded with RICO without going to bid, citing contract pricing. I was told they were planning to do the same this year, however, after a reference from the district level, we were afforded the opportunity to provide a quote uh, to switch RICO to Sumner 1, including improvements to services currently provided. We felt good about our quote knowing that it would provide what was requ- what was requested and save the district more than $2 million. This is why I was surprised last week when we were told the recommendation to the board this evening would be a five-year contract with RICO, which was $450,000 higher than our proposal. Now, I understand loyalty to a vendor, especially to a vendor who's provided positive service history. What I don't understand is loyalty to a vendor which costs the district more than $90,000 dollars per year to receive the same services. I was told by CFO, Mr. Russell Knapp, this is an insignificant amount of money for changing vendors. I was also told that RICO was a strategic partner of the district. When I asked what made them a strategic partner, the answer was they provided good service. Good service in our eyes is not strategic, it is a given. I'm concerned about the recommendation before you tonight because unbeknownst to Sumner 1 and our consent, Mr. Knapp manipulated the numbers we submitted in our RFQ to the district to what you see today. I'm not here tonight because I have a score to settle with the district for rejecting our bid. I'm a businessman. I've been told no before when pitching new business. I'm here tonight because I feel this is not the best interest of the taxpayer dollars. I know what it's like to have parents who teach and earn their living in education. To deny teachers raises and to have our kids settle for fewer teachers in support of keeping a strategic vendor should leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Ten years ago, we began the same process with the University of Kansas. After an evaluation with our company, we were the chosen partner with KU. Seven years later, they had such a positive experience with our company, they established a contract for other schools within the state to use. And today, Kansas State, Emporia State, and many others have bought off this contract. We provided excellent service for these schools and this is where the pricing came from for our rfq i appreciate your time this evening as mentioned before it was the public education provided to me by smsd which allowed me to graduate college early and prepared me for my career my wife and i are both former shawnee mission student athletes living and working within district boundaries and we take special pride in being part of and supporting such a fine district Sumner one what provided above and beyond what was asked for in a solution which saved more than $2 million from what the district pays today. It is my opinion our company was not provided a fair opportunity for the district's print services simply because change was not wanted by the personnel involved. If the district moves forward with RICO today, they will be doing so at almost a half-million dollar cost, a greater cost than two full-time teachers for a lesser solution. As a taxpayer, knowing the financial state of the public education in Kansas... I feel to move, to, move, to move forward today would be doing a disservice for taxpayers, the teachers, and the students in Shawnee Mission School District. I would hope you'd vit, vote against the RICO recommendation, not simply for the benefit of my own company, but for the benefit of your students and constituents. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. And I'll turn to Dr. Fulton. Any comment now? I know this is an item we'll be speaking to later in the meeting.
20: Yes,
9: uh, action item 5.05. That There'll be more later on this.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Next up, we invite Megan Peters.
13: Welcome. Thank you. Members of the board, Dr. Fulton, thank you for allowing me to speak today. My name is Megan Peters, and I'm a parent at Rose Hill Elementary School. I am here today with a group of parents and teachers from the Rose Hill community. A few weeks ago, we were informed that Rose Hill, a Title I school serving 520 elementary students will be losing three sections next year. We currently have two grade levels that are already at full capacity. That means that next year, five of the seven grade levels at Rose Hill will be very large. With poverty comes increased mobility. So often, when the district is planning class sections at Rose Hill, we do not actually know what that number will look like of students enrolled the following year. Six times in the last 10 years, Rose Hill has had to add a section at the last minute or after the school year has already begun. When my son entered kindergarten two years ago, there were 24 children in his class. Once we inevitably went over that capped number, another section was added in October of that year. The teacher hired for this new section, she quit after six weeks. He ended up having four different teachers that year in kindergarten, and it was a lost year socially and academically for him. A similar scenario occurred this past year in our fifth grade class, with an additional section added late in the first semester both of these grade levels are set to lose one of these sections next year putting them in the exact same position again this is not okay full capacity means something different in a school with 57 percent poverty the classroom challenges our teachers face are unique and while having a classroom of 24 five-year-old kindergartners is always a challenge for any teacher the difficulty is multiplied when taking into account the other factors that our students face In addition to poverty, 27% of our students are ELL, and another 10% have disabilities. We do have two ELL aides that are provided by Title I funds, and two positions exist for another two aides. However, those have remained open because of lack of quality applicants. We also have a great special education team, but they are also responsible for working with students from the private Holy Spirit Catholic School and preschoolers with IEPs. These non-Rose Hill students are not included in our official student count. We are grateful for our federal Title I funds and the additional support they represent. However, that support is spread very thin. Our students' needs ultimately must be met by our classroom teachers. In consultation with Dr. Sumner's office, we have learned that reducing the enrollment cap by two students for each section across the eight Title I schools would cost the district less than $900,000 per year. This is very doable if the board chooses to make it a priority. We understand that state funding shortfalls have been challenging, but other districts in our area have found a way around this. For example, in the Olathe Public Schools, Title I and ELL buildings already have a cap that is two to three students lower than in their other elementary schools. We are here today to ask you to consider creating a smaller class size cap for Title I schools. We have reached out to you via letter and phone calls, and we are very, very appreciative of your willingness to speak with us. We have also met with our brand new principal, and she has been receptive to our message. But it is you, the school board, who has the power to actually make this policy change. We thank you for your time tonight, and we encourage you to consider our plea. Our kids deserve better. Thank
9: you.
0: Thank you. Dr. Fulton,
9: thank you for covering that. I'll be, I'll be happy to follow up with you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Great. Next up, uh, we bring forward uh, County Commission member Becky Fast. Welcome, Becky.
14: I just want to come by and reach out to you. Johnson County provide uh, Becky Fass, 4918 Juniper, Roland Park, um, Johnson County Commissioner District 1. So I just wanted to come by today and reach out to you. A strong Johnson County government provides many of the safety net services that our school districts rely on, from housing services to utility services to WIC. These are the services that you see when there's gaps in services, when there's holes in the safety nets. You're the ones that see firsthand when that child comes through that door, that family comes with needs. And that's where I need to rely on you. What are the Gaps that are missing that you're seeing with your children and your families and where are those gaps in our county funded safety net services I am the board liaison to our Johnson County Mental Health Department working hard on increasing our co-responder services our crisis intervention on our board agenda this week we've started discussions with the school districts um, this will be an approval of an agenda item with the Gardner Edgerton school district for a co-responder with their school district. I hope this is a pilot project. I hope this continues and to have increased conversations with all the school districts. How can we support you with those critical mental health services? Johnson County is the only county in the state that has residential addiction services for youth. We're now talking about a youth detox services too. There is no crisis assessment services for youth in our county, much less across the state. So how can we work with you on also addiction recovery services? I just wanted to also congratulate you um, we awarded last week a green business award um, to Lenexa Hills Elementary um, Shawnee Mission School District is leading the way with composting recycling the county's right now looking at our five year solid waste management plan we have a landfill looking at filling up in 20 years but you're way ahead of the curve here in Shawnee Mission School District and thank you um, and we continue to want to work on, with you on how can we we increase recycling and waste diversion so we don't have to create another landfill. I started my career as a Title I teacher, so I have utmost respect for school board members, school districts, and teachers. Um, the school districts are the economic engine of our community, and how can we at the county be a strong partnership with you? You have my card, so please email, text me, call me anytime. When you hear things, have questions, or how um, we can work better with you. So thank you.
0: Thank you for being here, and thank you for your service. We appreciate it. With that, we'll bring forward Brandon Richard. Welcome.
4: Good evening, everyone. I am Brandon Richard from Brookridge Elementary. I am in sixth grade and I am 12 years old. Tonight I came up here to address the topic of technology and more specifically the use of iPads in our classrooms. Both my sister and I, who is in second grade and... Both my sister, who is in second grade, and I, have experienced an excessive amount of teaching using iPads. I have mixed feelings about the use of iPads. I, feel I do not want to completely eradicate them because I feel, feel like we are very privileged to have them in our schools. However, I do think we should not have four to five hours, and sometimes more, nearly every day on the iPads. Studies have shown that excessive use of iPads can cause bad posture, eye strain, and headaches all three of which I have personally experienced. Even many schools in Silicon Valley, such as the Waldorf School of the Peninsula, where over 75% of the students' parents work in tech, completely eliminate technology until eighth grade. Instead of using technology in the Waldorf School, they use hands-on activities. The activities they, they do include forms of art and physical activity to teach their students. These things help stimulate their brains. I hope you can take all of these things into consideration and balance, out, and balance out the usage of iPads in our classrooms. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being here. All right, that concludes the public comment section. And uh, with that, we move on to uh, section number three, which is our discussion items. And the first one is item 3.01, our legislative report. And we bring forward Dr.
7: Little.
8: Good evening. Um, Stuart Little with Little Government Relations in Topeka. Um, you have a, a written report. I'll uh, be happy to, uh, first of all, thank you, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. President and members of the board, Dr. Fulton and Dr. Atha. Uh, the session concluded two weeks ago, and I'm finally recovering here. So, um, but they'll be back in a week and a half, so we'll have more things to talk about. Luckily, probably we may not. That may be one of the nice things. So um, I wanted to give you a kind of a quick overview of where we are in the process, what's left out there. Talk a bit about some of the details to the extent you're interested in talking about those, and then a bit about what we lay, lays ahead in the next couple of weeks. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Um, the um, legislature before they adjourned on the fifth of May um, or of April, um, passed on to the Supreme Court. The uh, Senate Bill 16, the School Finance Bill briefs were filed by the plaintiffs and by the state uh, on the 15th. And oral arguments are scheduled for the 9th of May, and so that is going to go through the process. It is, uh, there, there's plenty of media accounts of that, and I'm happy to have some conversation. I've included in my report some of the highlights of what are in the briefs as well as links to those documents so you all can see what's in there. Uh, I'm going to hit a couple of big picture issues to kind of give us a sense of where school finance fits in there and what we have left. The budget has not been resolved, and the legislature breached first adjournment. They did not resolve the budget. So the school finance bill has school finance in it. The additions made the $360 million for uh, the four years, but the budget for KSDE is still in the budget bill that has not been authorized. And so that's out there, something to keep our eyes on as as things move. Medicaid expansion, another kind of high-profile policy issue, uh, is still out there that may get some action during the the wrap-up session that begins on May 1st and then the other question that's kind of get, again comes back connected to school finance in the big picture the the tax reduction bill that was passed earlier on in the session Senate bill 22 governor vetoed. This was the bill that, that would have dealt with the federal tax policy changes and, and the decoupling, the windfall kind of a federal tax policy changes that would have provided about $500 million in tax relief over the next four years for uh, some individual taxpayers, but also for some corporations transferring money back into the state. The governor vetoed that, There were not sufficient votes in the legislature to override that veto, and so the bill died. Her veto stood, but there was conversation going on at the very end of the last few days of the legislative session about bringing up a tax bill again, and um, that was delayed by everyone until last Thursday, the 17th of of April, when the consensus revenue estimating came out and said, how much money are we going to have for the next two years? And they reported ongoing stable revenue, slight increase, no decline, which has kind of reinvigorated the discussion of can we still do a tax cut. So we've sent the Supreme Court a school finance plan, and I'll talk about that next, but we still have the KSDE budget unpassed other issues not dealt with, and a tax bill that's going to come back up again probably next Wednesday or Thursday when the legislature comes back. So there's still a lot of things in the mix. The court has been sent the issue that they wanted to see, but uh, with a budget bill open, you never know what's going to happen uh, in, in many other ways. So there are also a couple of other policy issues, but in general, except for that, The the legislative wrap-up session should not be long. School finance has essentially been set aside and dealt with, and so I'm not anticipating a lengthy wrap-up session, but we are going to talk about taxes and guns. There was a veto of an abortion bill today that's going to stimulate a lot of action uh, when we get back. So there will be a lot of things going on. We may, uh, from the district's perspective, be uh, separated from most of that in the sense that the court's going to be making those decisions. But I will Briefly hit some of the highlights, on, you, you all have had a chance to look at the Senate Bill 16, what was ultimately passed. As you will recall, the, the House had failed to pass a school finance plan. They'd passed a lot of policy issues, and the Senate had passed their plan. That last week of the regular session, there was, the, as the, the conference committee was negotiating what to put into the final bill, uh, there was a kind of a last-minute proposal from leadership in the House about a different plan, and none of those worked out. Uh, and the the specifics were not really known, but the bill that was ultimately passed and went to the court had what the court, the, the State Department of Education, the governor... The House and the Senate, a majority of both of those, agreed with what needed to be, and there was about $90 million a year for the next four years, and a, and a small amount of policy issues. I, I won't go into those. I will if you'd like, and we can go through all the things in there, but there, there, there were lots of uh, reasonably um, detrimental policy issues that were a part of that discussion going on. But it, we came down to the end, it was essentially financing, and then there's some enhanced reporting requirements and those kinds of things. A few issues in the final bill, I'd be happy to hit the highlights on that if you'd like for me to do that. Uh, the the briefs that were filed by the plaintiff said that the funding that was added, the $90 million, was insufficient and did not dr- address what the court said it needed to be done last June. They said the $90 million doesn't go up every year. It's just $90 million every year, and that doesn't address inflation because that doesn't increase. The uh, state, when they filed their brief, said that the... Um, the State Department of Education had come up with the calculation of how to add money for inflation that the Governor had put it into her budget and introduced legislation to do that. A majority of the House and the Senate agreed to that, and so that is essentially uh, what the court should should make their decision on, and also that the 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 court should release jurisdiction on the case so that the um, essentially one of the issues that they raised in their brief was that the ongoing litigation means you can't have a lot of conversations about what else might be about innovation, about change, about those kind of things because uh, it's always viewed through the light of how does this impact the court's ruling and there was a sense that the state argued through the Attorney General that, uh, that letting the ca- accepting the funds, letting the case go would open up uh, the process for um, kind of ongoing without having a, a group of four districts retain some essential veto authority over Ability over what else might be discussed. There were um, a, a number of bills that were signed, not a lot. This is probably, in the, over the last few years, maybe the fewest number of bills that we've had to deal with just in terms of policy, but the, probably the most significant one that the governor signed during the break after we had the break was on the uh, the required safety drills, just to kind of clarify what was going to be required for that. Uh, some changes in, in some of the reorganization processes after part of that transition from moving to spring to fall elections just had to articulate when you all have to have your me- your first meetings after the election and those kind of things. Otherwise, there was uh, most of the attention uh, was taken up by the school finance discussion and that, that has been addressed. I'd be happy to answer any questions, if you have any specific questions about the bill, what was or wasn't in, or uh, if you ask me what I think the court will do, I probably can't answer that question, so I'll uh, leave that uh, for your own speculation.
0: Thank you. Questions from board members? Mrs. Osley.
12: So with regards to the court's judgment, It's totally possible that they can find the bill constitutional but still retain jurisdiction to make sure that the state actually puts the money in. Because one of the they gave up jurisdiction right before this cycle of litigation began when and the money dropped.
8: That that's and that that is correct. In Montoy, they said, okay, here's four th- four years of funding. I think well, it was three years. That, um, escapes me at this point. But they said this is what we're going to do, and then that began. The first year of that came in. The court gave up jurisdiction, released jurisdiction, said, okay, you will use, the remedy is in place now. This will happen, and then of course. However, one wants to describe it. We hit the 2008-2009 recession, and that last year of funding didn't come through, which then set us back, and we start that dip in funding again, which prompts again the the Gannon suit as well. And so, I think that there is a lot of uh, uh, validity to the assumption that the court will retain jurisdiction, since it was barely 10 years ago when they accept they turned loose jurisdiction. The other Thing interesting to note is, as well is that the school the 20, House bill sixteen uh, substitute for Senate bill sixteen um, has two years of funding in it because that's the only that 's all the further they will appropriate the money out there and so it 's going to while everybody says this is what we 're going to do and that 's in the description it's, it really only appropriates for the next two years and so that 's just a, a technicality of the process, but um, I think the court will li- very likely retain jurisdiction over it. Uh, despite the state asking for it to be released. It would not surprise me at all. Thank
0: you. The questions for Dr. Little? All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. I look forward to the next chapter in this saga. <laughs>
14: <Sorry>.
0: <laughs> sort of, yeah. Now we'll move on to item uh, 3.02. This is the budget workshop. I <coughs> uh, invite uh,
18: Russ Knapp back forward, please. So tonight... This will be our first of two budget workshops. This will will cover the non-operating funds tonight, and then on May 13th, we'll come back and do the operating funds and the federal dollars. So you're getting familiar with this slide. We like to repeat it so you can see the different buckets. Um, we'll be covering these four different areas tonight. Those that are circled. Each one of these are restricted by state statute or the revenue source that um, provides the funding for those funds. And I'll kind of work through uh, the presentation tonight and hit on each one of those. And uh, feel free, if you want to ask questions during it, please get my attention and we'll just stop and uh, answer those. So a lot of these funds are driven by a tax levy. So the bar chart here kind of represents the district-wide assessed valuation in billions. So we're expecting a 4.3% increase or about $4.05 billion. Um, that's a preliminary number. We will get a estimated number to do our budget in June, and then it's not finalized again until October. Um, but that's good news that we continue to see the increase in our assessed valuation. For the students in the room, could <coughs> you explain that's not our budget,
0: but that's the assessed valuation of real estate in our county or our district?
18: Yes, yeah, so it's f- yeah for our school district only. So all the valuation of our houses and, bill- and commercial property totals about four. Point five, point four, point zero five billion, and that's what our tax base is to generate our taxes. Thank you. I was just fearful of tweets going out about our $4 billion budget. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, so one of the largest funds that we have that is, is not operating is the capital outlay. Um, that is restricted to doing kind of operation and maintenance items. So it's our day-to-day cycle projects to do roofs, asphalts, uh, fix. Bleachers, lockers, etc. Um, we are allowed an eight mills in total in Shawnee Mission. We levy eight mills. It generates about thirty million dollars there. Uh, you can see the revenue sources on the screen. We get another three point three million dollars in motor vehicle tax, and then some miscellaneous revenue um, for a few uh, for about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then through our Apple leasing when we when we refresh our cycles. Um, we trade in our old devices and we get um, used dollar amount for those that we are turned in, and then we get about 628000 So our capital outlay, we have approximately about $48.4 million that we anticipate for our 1920 budget. How we spend our capital outlay expenditures, we're requesting about a $43.4 million expenditure budget. Um, 17.3 of that is to retire debt. So we have two sources of debt, and this this is different from what Mr. Arterberry was talking about earlier, so that's a different fund. This is the capital outlay bonds that we issued a few years ago to help build CAA, O&M building, Shawano, and et cetera. There's a few other items in there. So we have about $11 million a year in paying off those bonds. Um, Those will retire in 21, 22. So that'll be the last year that we make a payment on those capital outlay bonds, and then those are done. Um, The remaining $6 million is just our lease on our Apple devices. So we got three refresh cycles going all at once. So once one drops off, we'll add another one and it'll it'll continue. So $6 million of that is the lease payment to Apple, which uh, is 0% interest on those lease that we just, and we just approved one, uh, I think it was in March. So, And then um, the other big item is operation and maintenance. We put out about $13,350,000 just to cover our cycle. We've got close to 60 facilities across the district that we have to maintain infrastructure. So Bob Robinson has this, and he plans out summer projects, um, to just keep cycling through, again, the curbs and asphalts and sidewalks and, and the roofs and the air, air conditioning. So it's, it's pretty costly. So he, he tries to hit a little bit every year on a cycle basis. And then kind of the last big item I was going to hit on is we do have about 4357000 in salary and benefits that are currently uh, budgeted to our capital outlay expenditures. So, again, our budget we anticipate for next year is $43.4 million dollars. Um, So the bond and interest fund is the fund that we were talking about earlier with David Otterberry. We run about $23 million in ending balance. Uh, We need that balance because we have our first bond um, principal and interest payment in October. And you don't get your taxes until January. So that that ending balance provides you the funds necessary to pay off that first bond and uh, interest payment in October. Special assessment is a small fund. Um, that we use to pay for our Johnson County wastewater and then any city easements required. So the city will come to us and say, on your property, we got some sewer work to do, and they'll bill that for us, and we get to run it through this fund.
0: Real quick question on that. You said that's the one we would use to begin to pay down the the bonds. Is that right, out of the $23 Yes. So So is is there a statute or other requirement that we need to keep a minimum balance
18: in, in a bond and interest account? Um, there's not, but through the, through the budget document process that we complete, um, it calculates a reserve for you that determines how much you need in your balances to make sure you can pay that October payment. So we're budgeting on 18 months. <coughs> Instead of 12 months, we're always looking out for 18 months so we have enough fund balance to pay that debt. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, this is just a graphic that I wanted to show you of our current bond and interest debt schedule. Um, as you can see, the purple is the interest payments. We do have series 1996A and 2008A. They'll be falling off after the 1920. Uh, so we'll be retiring those series and we would just have those three uh, active. Um, the mill levy, we anticipate staying flat. Um, so we're at seven point four three four, and we anticipate that being flat or stable for nineteen twenty to continue to pay for our, our debt schedule. Will you
5: day. be um, in one of our budget workshops? Will you ever share us as far as mill levy?
18: Our mill levy, I typically don't, but I could I could provide that.
5: That'd be great. Thank you.
18: Um, I know we're the lowest of the six by far. By far, yep. And. This slide, I just wanted to show you a recap of our 2015 bond authorization, which was $223 million. Um, we issued one for 111.5. We had about, with premium and interest, we were at $123 million that we got to spend on construction projects. We're coming... Uh, very close to wrapping that up. We've got about $1.4 million left to spend on that and we'll have that spent by June 30th so we'll be able to close that issue and out for the financial part because we have to do a lot of financial reports um, for our compliance and so we'll, we'll be able to complete that and then the second issue too we have about $10.5 million that has not been um, identified yet. Well, they're identified for projects but we still need to go out and take them for bid um, and that will be happening over the next year. Then I'm going to move on to the next group of funds, the flow-through funds to the state. Um, these are restricted solely for these purposes. So the cost of living, we, we have state statutes that allow school districts to levy a local tax for cost of living. Um, we generate about $8 million for that. We collect it, and then we send that to the state in June. Um, and then we're, we get that back through the weighted formula. So we'll touch on that May 13th, but the cost of living is what's in your weighted formula that we get for our operating funds. Um, but it is considered a flow-through fund with the state. We collect those taxes and we just send them off to the state and we get them back through the formula. CAPERS is the same way. They send us our quarterly payment and then they take it right back the the next day. So that's about $30 million. Uh, we do have to budget those, those items and, and uh, presented to the, uh, the, the board in, in August for final approval. And then the last group of funds are the self-supported funds. And we call them self-supported because we do not provide any operating funds to them. The The revenue sources, either local taxes or fees, generate enough revenue to cover the expenditures in there. I w- I'm not gonna go through each of them, so if you have any questions on any particular one, uh, please, please ask. Uh, the big one, obviously, is the food service fund. Uh, we, we start out with about three point five million, we bring in about eleven point two million we We expenditures or we set out budget for fourteen point eight million. Um, we always have fallout we don't, we will not spend all that. We put it out there because it prevents us from having to republish. Um, since this is all feed driven and no taxes, then it gives us the authority to spend that in case we have a spike in food prices. Um, and then we can, instead of going through the process of republishing, we have that authority to act quickly. So if we see a spike in some food, in a food vendor or something, uh, we have that authority to spend that if we need to. Um, and then I wanted to touch base on student materials. That's the that's our fund for our kiddos. That program of studies. We, uh, when you approve the program of studies, there's uh, course fees in there. You know, like your art fees and um, for your English books or, or what have you. Those are run through the the uh, student materials fund, and the schools control that. So the money gets collected and it goes back out to the buildings, and they use it to buy their supplies for that classroom. Um, textbook rental. Um, that's the fee that we charge $80 at the secondary level. We collect that fee and we buy our textbook adoptions. You approved um, an ELA I believe at our last board meeting that will come out of this pot of money. Um, so that $80 we, t- we tend to build a balance So for that next adoption because those adoptions are expensive. Um, so that's what we use that textbook rental fee for. Um, And then, of course, the gifts, grants, and donations, that's when we we receive from our patrons, and it goes into that uh, funds, and those are restricted for those purposes where they raised that money and gave that to us. Um, This chart is just to summarize all our mill levies. We're anticipating a mill levy. Next year, a 52.057, so a decrease of 0.71%. So as you can see by the the column bar chart that we've been decreasing for about four or five years. Uh, Again, these are preliminary numbers, so the mill levy actually is not final until October. Um, We'll get better numbers in June from um, our county offices. But right now we're projecting about a 52.05. Uh, 7 mil levy and again that is the lowest of the the 6 school districts in Johnson County. And then just kind of go over the budget timeline and reminders for you. Again we'll come back May 13 to talk about some operating funds. July 22nd is is the approval of publication that goes into the newspaper and it has to be in there for 10 days and then we have a hearing tentatively on July 25th the um, then we'll have a hearing on August 12th and that's where you would adopt the budget for 1920 and then we submit it to our um, county offices and all this information is is on our website do you have any questions for me questions from board members
5: I don't know if this is for you um, or for the superintendent so I um, I know that we've had um, some concern about the textbook um, budget line, um, and I, I don't um, know all the discussions that have been happening on that. But last meeting, um, we talked about how that there were fees um, that were charged at the secondary level but not at the elementary level, and that was a decision we made several years ago. I have absolutely no desire to be the most hated woman by elementary parents. I have no desire for that whatsoever. However, have there been discussions about charging a textbook fee at the elementary level?
9: That's a fair question. No, we haven't had any discussions about that. But I I do recognize that, you know, we have a challenge with trying to make sure that we're adequately funding uh, textbook We want to make sure that our students have the materials that they need to be successful and teachers have what they need, both in terms of materials and professional development, to do their very best for the children that they work with. So um, it is a challenge in the budget. and something we're going to continue to look at. I know the business department has been working really closely with the leadership and learning team to think about ways that we can better fund textbook adoptions going forward. But it's a big-ticket item, and it has to be built into the budget on an ongoing basis.
18: Do you want to add to that at all? Yeah, so our $80 generates about $930,000 a year. And so if you were to... Hypothetically. Hypothetically, (laughs) if we were to bring on the elementaries at $80, that would double that. So they'd roughly bring in about $930,000 as well.
5: So if we only did... Hypothetically, if we half only did forty thousand, forty dollars,
18: about half of that. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah.
5: No exactly. tweets on that. That's, <laughs> that's right. just asking the question.
8: Sure.
12: Can you clarify which salaries and benefits are allowed to be paid under the capital outlay? Since that's typically not considered something that pays for salaries and benefits.
18: Um, the, yeah, you ha- it has to be related to um, kind of a. Um, operational maintenance skilled positions. So like an electrician, a plumber, painter, those are what we have coded there now. Um, with the, the guidelines that have loosened up here recently, uh, some school districts are using it for custodians. Uh, right now we are not.
12: If we were to use it for custodians, how much would that
18: cost? Um, like what with the- don't quote me on the number, but I think we're around about 8 to $9 million in total custodian salaries. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Questions from board members?
2: Just kind of on that same vein, with that capital outlay pot that we have every year with the tax money that we get for that, is that like very stringently dedicated to those projects, those cycle projects that you were talking about? I mean, how much flux is there in that capital outlay? Because we don't want to... Cut off our nose too, like oops, yeah. Now we can't buy a boiler
18: for this school. Um, well, the, 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 if we let's see, let's go back here real quick. Capital outlay fund, um, it's it's pretty tight right now, and and I mentioned the the debt that would fall off in three years, that will free up eleven million dollars. But right now, um, as you can tell, we budget pretty tight with seventeen million going to debt, so. The amount you're talking about is the thirteen million dollars so those, there's projects that would come out of there and obviously whatever projects you don't do that would free up that money
2: but it's pretty much i mean on a cycle I mean,
18: it's on a, it's know, on a cycle basis and if, if you weren't if you weren't to do that then they would get behind thank you yeah.
5: I'm just going to cotton on to that real quick and again look at the superintendent and um, maybe you could give a small recap of a conversation you and I had last week, the week before um, when it was over 80, believe it or not, it was over 80 degrees in um, Johnson County and it was before April 15th and I walked into a high school and thought I had walked into a sauna it was so hot in there um, did you want to talk about how these cycles that Mrs. Zila is referring to is so that they are so important? However, we could do something drastic if we did if we made the choice, right?
9: Well, just, just brief summary. <laughs> okay. So it's always it's always hard in any school district where you have HVAC HVAC systems that require a changeover. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they involve water pipes that go outside. Well, water pipes, when they go outside, can freeze, right? So you have to make sure that the outside temperatures are warm enough uh, that they're not going to freeze. So when you you switch over those HVAC systems from heating to cooling, you better make sure those pipes aren't going to freeze on you after the switchover is made. And the only real way to fix that is to go on with... Completely revamp the HVAC systems, which is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, the concern is, and the frustration is, is that it's, it's hot. Why is the air conditioning on? Well, there's a reason for that. The way the HVAC system's designed, you can't just. You've got to make sure it's warm enough outside. You don't have freezing temperatures before you actually make that switch. And then, otherwise, you're you're putting in a whole brand new, very expensive system, which is which in existing buildings is when you're doing retrofitting is always a challenge. I don't even want to put a dollar amount to it, it's so big. (laughs) But does that help?
5: Yeah, I just wanted to... to, I mean, that that has happened in the last couple weeks here in our school district, and I thought it might be a nice opportunity to explain that situation and dovetail into what Mrs. Zeal is talking about.
0: Right.
9: It all fits together, especially with the resources you have in your capital
0: fund. Other questions? So I have a a real short clarification question. And it has to do with one of those columns that we're not talking about tonight. But I know we're going to talk about it more and that's operating. Um, the, the the news out of Topeka was that the inflationary number that's built into the bill that passed was an additional $90 million for public education. And then about the same time Shawnee Mission talked about our increase year over year is $9 million. I began to hear folks saying, "Wow, so we're getting nine million of the ninety. We get ten percent of the increase in funding in Shawnee Mission." So I wanted to give you the opportunity to clarify that
18: no, the nine million dollar bump doesn't come from the ninety million. Yeah, we would get approximately about four and a half million okay. of the ninety million dollar bump. All right. Yeah, the the other four and a half is originally in the bill from the, that they passed last year.
0: Thank you, thank you. Great,
18: and I know we'll go into depth more
0: at the okay. next meeting. Other questions? Thank you, Mr. now. Okay, thank you. We'll now move on to item 3.03 and I'll turn to Dr. Fulton to introduce our presenters.
9: Yes, I'm gonna have uh, Dr. Grimm come forward, along with Dr. Hubbard, and I believe Dan's doing the presentation, but it's, I'll turn it over to you. One, one, one quick note, this is our first climate survey report. We, we did the survey back at the end of January we survey teachers, students, uh, along with parents, and we got a pretty good. They'll go into the details of who, but we got a pretty good, a pretty good response rate for our first attempt. But our hope is is that you know this data is going to form a baseline for us going forward uh, as we continue to use these kind of data to help with the improvement process. Hope it didn't take all the thunder. <laughs>
1: Actually, you completed all my sentences, so it made my job really easy. Um, The only thing that I would add is classified. We also, uh, in addition to teachers, classified. But Dan's going to go through those specific numbers, so I'm going to introduce Dr. Groomer.
21: Good evening. So, uh, yeah, fabulous introduction to to the survey, so thank you for getting it started. Um, So just to give you some some additional numbers, um, among the eight... Um, constituent groups that we provided the survey for. It wasn't necessarily the same questions for everyone. For example, um, elementary students who um, don't necessarily need to be sent through 112 questions. Uh, they they received 22 items that were pertinent to their. Their level, um, high school students, for example, were able to respond to 60 statements. Um, high school parents, all each of the parent groups, were 24 statements. So the statements that students received were were we tried to match them relative to what they could could answer. And the details are are in, are in the appendix of the full report. Um, we had more than 6,000 total respondents, and you can see uh, the, the total number of responses from each of the uh, constituent groups. And then, um, given the number of statements in the survey, one of the challenges that we had with, in terms of organizing the, the information is deciding how um, how to categorize the the, the the statements that were in the survey. And and we we came up with uh, we landed on 14 different clusters. Um, some of the statements in these surveys, we borrowed some of the statements from other surveys, but they didn't weren't necessarily perfectly matched with clusters that were in the. The previous survey, so we had to do some um, some, some matching ourselves. Um, but you can see the 14 different clusters up there, and then I just took the liberty of dividing those into three um, three subcategories: the general climate category, the programs, or what I label programs, and 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 then the teaching and learning category. So there is some variation. I will call this Dan Germanized a, l- a little bit, but um, but, but there's um, but but at least they're, they're clustered in such a way that they're. Um, Uh, they're in digestible formats. So moving on to some of the first observations, if we look at general climate, there's some um, very positive aspects of the survey, and then there's uh, some statements that I I pulled out that might be worth uh, looking at from a strategic planning um, perspective. So... um, for example, if, we, you know, if, if we're looking at um, like effective vehicles in our place for parents and community to communicate with the school, and I'm a partner with the school on my child's education, those response, responses are very strongly positive. Um, with each of these, there's a Likert scale. Uh, they could respond with strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. So uh, where you see the dark green, those are strongly agree statements. And uh, just to add, dark green, strongly agree? Yes. Light
9: green agree, kind of the pink is uh, disagree, and then the red is strongly disagree. Correct. Right.
21: Um, And then some of the statements down below. For example, um, my school provides suggestions for parents on ways to assist at home with the child's learning. Um, the school offers suggestions about how I can help my child learn at home. Those are statements that that, that did not have as, as strong a response as some of the others. So, again, some of these observations are are are, are things that I've pulled out of the data, but the strategic planning committees can will, will might need to take a look at these and uh, come up with their own observations in 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 the data as well. Um, so another highlight is if we look under programs um, on the on uh, statements that received a strong uh, response. Technology in my school is accessible, and I know how to find information I need to complete class projects. Um, Some statements that that might need some consideration for strategic planning are things like, there's effective technology support for my building. um, And I incorporate information about careers in in my instruction. So there's a career component in the survey as well. Uh, In the teaching and learning area, Two statements that I, I, I pulled out as being receiving very strong results. My family believes that I can do well in school and my teachers are good teachers. Um, and I did mix and match. This isn't clear on which audience is responding here. You can kind of read into it here, but um, those additional details would, would be in the full report. Um, but some statements with uh, some strategic planning considerations. During classes, we stay focused on learning and don't waste time. Uh, clear rules that promote good behavior are enforced in our schools, and, and there's some mixed results in those. So, um, again, there's, um, it's important to look at some of the contrast and the way this, the, uh, the statements interact with each other in the survey. Uh, the last observation I look at, and this is... Um, Sort of ties in with uh, uh, some national research that, that that's out there as well is that um, we have to be cognizant of you know things like student reading interests, especially reading for pleasure and engaging students in, in in literacy. And this is one observation I made across um, at least the grade levels and the student responses that um, that enjoyment in reading tends to uh, decline slightly as students get older, and that's something that we need to. Uh, Continue to be cognizant about, and one of the, one of the conversations I know is thinking about the ELA adoption that from from last week. One of the opportunities that teachers had was to um, select the um, um, the the readings or the the um, the novels, for example, that uh, students then would have an opportunity to read, and that's one of the considerations I think they had to had to keep in mind is is what what novels should we select that are going to be more engaging to students and more relevant to to you know the, the type of students that we have so um, it was good to hear that 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 some of that was already happening too so um, but again something we can monitor over time so those are the highlights um, that I uh, uh, pulled out of the report there are other details other observations that um, um, strategic planning committee members might also see in the results. It's, it's a lot of statements. There's a lot to read and and, and digest, but um, certainly a good starting point in getting feedback from our constituent, constituent groups.
9: A couple of quick comments before we take board questions. Um, as you go through all of the survey questions, be really careful to read the questions. <laughs> Some of them are worded in a negative are, way, right. so if you have strongly disagree and disagree that's good. <laughs> so That's, that's one uh, note. The other one is, it's this serves as again, as baseline data. As we, as we look at this data over time and repeat the same questions, then we're going to find this feedback more meaningful going forward. It's meaningful now, it'll take on greater meaning in the next couple of administrations of the survey. Then we'll begin to benchmark what's normative at a high level? Where are things where we're, where we're staying at a, at a high level of performance? And then what are maybe some areas where we need to get better? So uh, anyway, that's 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 a good baseline start. Okay.
5: Will we do this same? Well, we'll do it
9: again next year for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that we'll make a determination of with what frequency okay. is it important to give the survey. Uh, annually is great, but sometimes you can get burnout burn on survey completion mm-hmm. too. So. I think for at least next year, we'll do it. And then we'll just kind of gauge year by year whether we need to do it annually or semi-annually.
1: Thank you. Also add, we're going to share these results with the strategic planning committees
17: as they continue to do their work.
0: Other questions from board members? Reverend Guy.
17: Do you have any other demographic breakdown of the people who answered the survey questions other than
21: whether they were a student or... Okay.
17: Or attendance areas, any of that?
21: So we um, we do have... A building identifier okay um, but but nothing beyond that, okay,
9: yeah. yeah, and that goes back to I think particularly next year when we get into site council work, we'll really encourage people to complete the survey so that our ends are big enough that we can report out building level data. when you look at the response, we had a really good response rate it's, it's great for a big picture understanding of climate culture i don 't know that we have enough ends in some of the buildings to really uh, Get right. right. it to where we right. can right. report there's, out the data. So that will be one that goes next year is to increase the response rate from all groups.
1: As an example today, I asked to see a specific building that we were discussing and um, this is a fairly large building for us and um, they had eight responses total between certified and classified. So.
9: but I, I would emphasize, that's not unusual when you're starting a process like this. I think now that people get a chance to see the data, interact with it, then we would hope to see those those number of respondents increase, because really the data is for the building and for the uh, and for the district to reflect on where are we at, where are we doing well, how can we get better.
12: Was it generally geographically distributed? It's not like we had an overwhelming amount of folks reporting in from one area versus another.
21: Just just eyeballing the area, it was distributed pretty. Fairly evenly, um, mm-hmm. but um, but it's not something I've like, looked at from a statistical perspective. Other questions from board members? <laughs> yes, Ms. just
2: a comment from what um, Dr. Fulton just said. I think if that's driven by the site council and the building, you might get a lot more people within that building to respond, especially since it's now, okay, well this is important data that we need for our school. We want to make sure that it we're represented well in whatever whatever they are with all of these different categories.
0: Yeah.
21: Yes, Mrs. owsley
12: Was this survey res- provided in Spanish for our Spanish-speaking um, population?
21: I don't believe we had it translated, no. This is no, a very good point. I oh, I th- it it's might something that we can I th-
9: work on for next year. I'm
1: not 100% sure, but I believe that SurveyMonkey will translate it for you. I think you have to
12: have two separate... I I think you have to run it twice I know so if we that do there's... Through, um, a
1: the, skyward yeah. it will, but
12: because the Kansas State sure. Department of Education, that survey they just put out was initially in English only, and then after some inquiries, they went ahead and generated a second one that was in Spanish, so it was okay, accessible okay. to other populations, so definitely to put on the radar for next
1: yeah, time.
5: for sure thanks
0: yep. Mrs. Mack.
5: Um, just real quickly, um, are there any areas um, because you know as you, as you go through the entire Survey, you can see that there are some really long red lines. There's some that are strongly disagree and and Mm -hmm. disagree. Is there are there any is there any action that the district plans on taking very quickly on any of these areas, or that's to be determined?
9: Well, it's important to note. I mean, this is perceptual data, Mm -hmm. so this data needs to combine with other things that we know about. Uh, programs or research like this one on reading is really good. We're not, I don't know that we're surprised Mm -hmm. that the love of reading goes down as students get older. That consists of national research, but it does cause us to reflect on our current practice Mm -hmm. and uh, supports things like what we talked about at the last meeting with our ELA adoption. So it's part of the data that's used for comprehensive school improvement and district improvement planning.
1: I would also just once again reiterate what Dr. Fulton said about being careful about just looking at the colors Mm -hmm. because some of them are reversed questions. I know the first time I perused it, I made that mistake myself. And then secondly, Mm -hmm. some of those things we're already addressing. For example, the one that I think is probably the biggest negative is I know about adult education
5: programs and that's what I was that's I mean that's pretty low-hanging fruit too yeah and so so. some of
1: those things we're already talking about and
5: addressing but okay that that was it that was the example that I was thinking of thank you Dr. Hubbard
0: other questions thank you very much for the update appreciate the information we move to item 3.04 this is the Corwin Equity Professional Development and Dr. Fulton
9: Yes, thank you, and uh, we have more discussion items than normal, but some of these are time-sensitive. For most of this year, uh, Dr. Ed Strike, Dr. McKinney, and Linda Seek have been working diligently to research uh, good strategies for training our 4,000 staff on issues of equity. And they've done a wonderful job of really thoughtfully reflecting on not only What is our current practice, but also what are strategies that we might use that would sustain that conversation in our district? It's important that we make a commitment for every staff member to be trained, not just in one year, but over in the years ahead. In a model where we have language that is common to all of us, experiences that we can draw on to uh, interact with each other as adults, but also, and very importantly, with students. And so what they're going to share with you tonight is not a program, not an initiative, but really uh, some strategies that we will be able to take and use in our schools uh, over a long period of time. And so without further ado, I'll I'll turn it over to both of them. And thank you for being here.
22: Thank you. On behalf of... uh Shawnee Mission NEA President uh, Linda Seek. I want to thank you for having us this evening and allowing us the opportunity to share our findings uh, with regard to diversity, inclusion, and equity in the Shawnee Mission School District. And we all know and believe that positive relationships are essential to the success as a district. Relationships between students, staff members, parents, and guardians, and the greater community are essential to student learning and the strategic plan objectives. As the climate survey demonstrates, relationships are vitally important and a number of initiatives are being implemented at various stages of fidelity across the district. All have good intentions, but they're working alongside one another rather than with each other. Early this school year, Mrs. Seek and I were asked by Dr. Fulton to research a comprehensive system that would standardize our district's effort, effort-wide district or district-wide efforts. After researching a number of systems and speaking with school districts in Kansas and beyond, we determined that Corwin's deep equity was the best choice to addressing diversity, inclusion, and equity in the Shawnee Mission School District. The deep equity system will work in conjunction with Shawnee Mission's strategic plan, connect directly to student learning, and has the ability to train and focus the efforts of 4,000 employees. In short, Deep Equity is a capacity-building model that empowers school leadership teams to lead equity efforts at the building and classroom level. Leadership teams from each building will be trained trained by Corwin trainers and gain the language and tools necessary to engage in courageous, authentic, measurable, and sustainable work. Trainers will then provide building-based professional development using a train-the-trainer model. The focus will be on developing cultural competence and culturally responsive teaching strategies to create cultures of equity, inclusion, and excellence in every classroom. Every stage of the deep equity training will apply directly back to student learning and tie directly back to the classroom. The deep equity system includes five modules which are taught at ever greater length over a three-year period. Later this evening, I know that you'll be considering the Corwin proposal, and we hope to gain your approval for the first year and begin training in the 19-20 school year. This training will include two days of train the trainer training in September of 2019, followed by two additional training days in November and January. Building-based trainers will then train building personnel in three half-day workshops scheduled for October, February, and April. We realize this is a big commitment, but we believe implementing the deep equity system with fidelity will not only address the importance of genuine relationships and the learning needs of all students, but the district's beliefs, missions, and objectives as well. During last week's action team meeting, I presented an overview of the Deep Equity program to the strategy team number two, which is focused on creating a fully unified, equitable, and inclusive culture. The team was unreservedly in favor of the Deep Equity system and was anxious to begin work. And finally this morning, a diversity, inclusion, and equity coordinator position was posted. This position, the first to my knowledge, of its kind in the Shawnee Mission School District will assist Corwin, administrators, and building leadership teams with training and implementation and ensure that every staff member understands the significance of the deep equity strategies. Again, I know that you'll be considering year one of the deep equity proposal later tonight, and I hope you will consider approving the proposal and allowing us to move forward with deep equity training during the 19-20 school year. Thank you, and now Mrs. Seek and I would be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Board member questions. Reverend Guy.
17: I'm just curious uh, what it was specifically about Corwin that um, made it your choice. What was it that that you liked about what they offer?
22: Thank you for your question. Several things. One thing we were really um, looking for an academic um, bent, we wanted to make sure that it was academically focused and focused on the classroom. And this has a true student focus. In fact, there's a student portion to the system that we aren't implementing this or next year, hopefully. uh, But that is accessible to us as well. So it was really student focused and focused on academics and on the classroom. It's a train the trainer model. We've had a lot of employees um, over the years who have invested a lot of time and energy and passion um, into diversity, inclusion, and equity work. And we wanted to make sure that their efforts were recognized. And we wanted to keep their passion and um, enthusiasm as part of the training. And so this train the trainer model allows us to really hone in on on those folks, those staff members who have already put a lot of time and energy and effort into uh, diversity work. few other things as well. It had the capacity to train 4,000 um, staff members. We had looked at some local organizations who um, we found very helpful and beneficial and worthwhile, but they just didn't have the, the means to train um, a school district this size.
11: Corwin also will, over the next few years, help us build capacity as a district to have our own master trainers so that this can become a self-sustaining program.
0: Questions.
3: So uh, repeat, how many years do you think it'll, it will be then before we get to that level?
22: Can so you know, in year three, they do the um, intensive um, training uh, model for uh, individuals identified by the district as being our in-house trainers from that point on. And so from year four on, we're self-sustaining. And that will assist us with onboarding new staff. And, um, you know, we're going to have trainers move on. Um, and when we do, these individuals will be able to train the new um, new participants.
3: Uh, did you, and did you speak to anyone that's currently using it or has you?
22: We did. Um, we spoke with uh, Chandler, Arizona, is using the system now and um, implementing it. They're at the very early stages, just like us. Um, uh, Mrs. Seek and I are planning on, we've been in communication with and are planning on Uh, seeing the training take place in Eagle, Colorado over the summer. Um, And we've had extensive conversations with Gary Howard, who's the um, uh, creator of the Deep Equity Program and uh, works with Corwin and many individuals from the um, Deep Equity Program. We've spent a lot of time talking with them as well.
11: Corwin is committed. It's not a one-size-fits-all product. They're committed to working with our district with what we want and we can make changes with a one-year contract. If there are things we want to tweak for next year, we have the ability to have changes. And Dr. Fulton has communicated um, our strategic plan and expressed how important that all this training really weaves through what we're doing in the strategic plan so that, once again, this doesn't appear as a program or a fix for any kind of problem that we have in our district, but it's uh, part of our beliefs and how we build on them to be very successful um, not only through all the functions of our district, but also essentially everything that works down to one-on-one teacher to student in our district.
22: To that. Reverend Guy, that's an, another reason we, we went with them. They were willing to incorporate our strategic plan into our training.
5: Ms. Mack? Um. I have heard of Zona and Eagle Rock, Colorado. I didn't know how many other places are using them, because that goes to my question, is how long has Corwin been around?
22: So Corwin is um, a publisher and has been around for many, many years. The deep equity system, really since the early 90s, Gary Howard implemented or was sort of bought out by them, but is one of their full-time trainers, has kept ownership of the program, and it is their primary trainer. Um, so the is so- system is, or the... Uh, the system, the deep equity system, is nationwide. Okay, thank you. Other questions? Thank you very much. You're welcome, Appreciate thank work you. On this. Thank you.
0: We now move to uh, section four. This is the consent agenda. We have a variety of items that are listed on the consent agenda. Before I seek a motion to approve the items on the agenda, I'll see if any board members would like to remove an item from the consent agenda for individual consideration. Seeing none, I'll seek a motion to approve the consent agenda this evening.
3: I would move approval.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn.
9: Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zelo. All those in favor of approving the items on the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. And we move on to item number 5, our action items and so we have a variety of action items before us we're going to be doing them individually and the first one is item 5.01 it's the approval of the continuation of the ingenuity software licensing dr fulton any update on that or comments uh, no no comments be happy to respond to any questions any questions on item 5.01 <coughs> motion to approve
17: i would move approval
0: thank you mrs Zila. second thank you reverend guy all those in favor please say aye 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 those opposed nay, that passes six to zero. Uh, we move on to item 5.02, and it's approval of the Corwin uh, professional development contract that was just previously spoken to. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Goodburn. Thank Second. you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional questions or discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed nay, and that's approved six zero. We move on to item 5.03, which is the approval of web, purchase for web-based MAP. We to speak to that, Dr. Fulton.
9: No, i just be happy to respond to any questions. Right. This is NWA MAP, which measures uh, uh, growth in student learning. Move approval.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Any additional questions on the item? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes six to zero. We move on to the fee schedule for the 1920 school year. Item, item 5.04. Any questions? I'll seek a motion to approve.
2: <laughs> I would move approval.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. It's been moved and seconded. Uh, questions on the item, Mrs. Goodburn?
3: I just want someone to point out about the food service meal price um, that has information about that of why that goes up and it's. I know I know the reason, but. <laughs>
9: Dr. Aether, would you like to address that? It's the food service meal food price of why why that goes up?
3: Five
8: five Nancy, yeah. Sure.
3: Poor Nancy. Mm-hmm.
12: Sorry. <laughs> You're the
0: next committee.
8: Yeah. Almost is. We put her at the back
3: intentionally.
7: exercise.
3: My question was why that goes up and I know that we don't really control that, but that
23: and that thought you could give The federal government likes to tell us okay. along with expenses, labor cost, food cost, just normal life. Right. We are in line with Olathe and Blue Valley.
0: Other questions on the uh, moved item? Being none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That is approved 6-0. Item five point oh five is the lease on the printers and the copiers in the print shop management.
9: Sure I to. Yes, I'm going to have uh, Mr. Knapp and Mr. Lane come up. And as before they before they respond to board, they'll give a brief overview of uh, with some comments and they respond to board <laughs> questions. But before they do that, you know, I want to emphasize we take seriously making sure that teachers and students have what they need for their success. And I think one evidence of that is this year when we had to make cuts in Title I, and we got part of our solution building was eliminating administrative positions over the next two years to ensure that we could maintain social workers, instructional coaches, in those schools that were, were losing Title I support. That meant that now administrators, superintendent, cabinet, especially in uh, Mr. Knapp's office, they're going to wear more hats. But that's okay. But uh, so when we get into these decisions about what we uh, recommend in terms of services, we take very seriously this notion that we need to get every bit of, every resource that we can into the classroom. And uh, this contract directly supports teaching and learning, particularly with the print shop component. And so they're going to speak uh, just briefly to the big picture of this contract, but again, respond to any board questions that you may have.
24: Thank you, Dr. Great. Fulton. First, I'd like to express uh, on behalf of the evaluation team our appreciation for the work and effort that went into uh, responding to the request for quote by our vendors, uh, both Sumner Juan and Rico. We, we recognize that the, the work is, is, can be challenging. We recognize that it requires a high level of competence and we recognize that a a, a level of uh, due diligence must be undertaken by all parties, and we were faithful to that during this entire process. So again, uh, the team would like to express how much we value the participation of, of our vendors in this process. As we were working through this process, our evaluation team really, in essence, was looking for two things. First was the costs associated to refresh necessary hardware and supporting services, including software, required for continued mission success. The second was verifiable capacity to provide services, particularly print shop services, (laughs) consistent with current and five historical levels of success. So our decision certainly weighed cost as a factor, but balanced cost with service, particularly as it pertains to the district's print shop, and I'll express why that's so important next. The print shop, among other things, is responsible for printing and supplying educational resources to our students and teachers in district classrooms and then getting those supplies there. We work in partnership with them as a district to provide the logistical support necessary to make that happen. This is one of the print shop's mission critical objectives. This service must be done in a timely and efficient manner so as not to negatively impact the, the student learning environment. This is done in parallel to providing all the other print resources needed by other various entities inside the district departments, whatever it might be. And all of this has to be done in rhythm with the ebb and flow of demand inside the district with the capacity to spin up in a very short amount of time to meet a surge in demand that we might see for things through something like an ELA adoption that may require us to produce additional paper resources for our students and our teachers. So as a part of all of this in our evaluation process, and the received quotes in reviewing those, we performed reference checks of customers provided by Sumner One. And during those checks, we were not able to log and validate sufficient information concerning Sumner One's management of print shops to outweigh their cost savings over RICO's historically successful performance and management of our print shop. We do value and thank both of our vendors, Sumner One and Rico, for their participation. At the end of the process, Our team determined that the best direction forward considering all necessary objectives is represented in the proposal on the board agenda this evening. The RICO proposal does provide a $1.9 million savings over the current contract and the RICO team has a historical track record of superior service when it comes to print services throughout the district but particularly at the print shop which we thought to be critical to mission success moving forward. And with that I would stand for any questions if you have specific number questions mr. Knapp is here to back me up on those he's much better at that than I am
0: Great. thank you board member questions yes mrs. Mack
5: um, I've read through the Sumner one um, paperwork that was given to us tonight and um, it's it's difficult reading through a lot of the information that is presented and I you know this is not a place to debate back and forth like the numbers etc that's truly, in my opinion, why we hire you to do that and and to, um, to bring you what your recommendation is to us. With that being said, there, there's been a history back and forth with the print shop. I remember we had a very strong initiative several years ago to cut back on the use of the print shop. Do you want to comment on that, the history of what we've been through and why um, the print shop is I don't even know where the print shop is now physically. If you would, do you know, I don't know. Could you comment on that,
24: please? I, I certainly can. I can provide you the history that I know. This is okay. my. I'm concluding my fifth year in the district, is that right? so so okay. I can provide you with the five years of it that I know. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, it coincides essentially about my first day of work here was when, at the time, Ron Rowe and I got together to talk uh-huh. about the print shop, and there were some challenges with the print shop uh, previously. Um, Part of it was that it operated at a loss every year. Part of it was that it, it didn't provide the value add. And, and then there were some cost concerns about printing services in the district. And so as a part of, of kind of moving the needle on that, uh, we were looking for a strategic partner that could help us kind of redesign that paradigm. Uh, we eliminated close to 4,000 individual printers in the district. We reduced, uh, we, we reduced printing dramatically over the first two years of this. A part of that was to to essentially make sure the print shop served only internal customers and and essentially didn't compete with other businesses in our community, and and also to establish a way for us to provide those print services from the print shop for our classrooms and our teachers and 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 other customers internally. Um, we looked at, at at the vendors at the time, and Rico stood out essentially because they they were they kind of came to us and said we believe in this vision. We would like to help you implement this vision. We would like to be a part of it. And in in a very real sense, it was they, they were volunteering to participate in, in a strategic plan, so to speak, that had the possibility of reducing their own revenue by eliminating clicks in the district. And, and uh, that partnership was successful. We were able to do that. Um, their their efficiency at the print shop is is much valued. Um, it's one of those places that we we get compliments from people via email or just in face. And so um, that was part of the risk reward balance we tried to look at was um, certainly, in, in no way shape or form, are we discounting anybody's work in this. It, that, that's not that was not the purpose in any way any way, shape or form. What we really had to do here though, was was calculate, in the best interest of the district for our, our classrooms, our teachers, administrative staff, whoever it might be, what provided us the best opportunity for success moving forward and in our estimation and, and uh, through our due diligence, we believe that's RICO's proposal tonight. Thank
0: you, Mr. Questions from board members? I'm going to keep going down that history lane to help me understand. Sure. And that is, um, can you give me a perspective of how many uh, district staff persons used to run or work at the district uh, print shop versus today. And how many of them are on, you know, on our staff versus how many are third-party contracted staff members now? Let me
24: start, let me start with today. Okay. Today there are five. Those are all RICO-badged employees.
6: Okay.
24: Shawnee Mission School District does not employ in, uh, anyone at the print shop. The proposal that we see here tonight, uh, Rico's proposing to limit that to four, to, to size that appropriately. We call it right-sizing. Prior to that, I can't speak with fidelity as to how many people there were there. I
0: know it was more than
24: five. Um, I, I don't know if you know for sure how many people I guess were there. It would be about six.
0: And those were all employees of the cool. district at that point?
24: Yes, sir, they were. Okay,
0: So that was the change. So we went to the five, now this proposal is the four. Yes, sir. Other board member questions? Thank you very much. Thank you. i take a motion to approve the item number 5.05. So
2: moved.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Uh, additional questions from board members on the motion that's now been moved? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. With that, we move on to item 5.06, which is banking services.
9: Uh, Mr. Knapp's available to respond to any questions that you may
0: have. Any questions from board members before we seek a motion to approve? We let them get all the way up there and then say yeah. no questions?
5: I like <laughs> I like up, yeah. I'd move approval of 5.06. Thank you, Ms.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Any additional questions on the item? All those in favor of item 5.06 banking services please say aye. 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 All those opposed nay. That passes 6 to 0. On to item 5.07 which is the approval of the HP server and storage to replace the current server host server.
9: And Mr. Lane is available to respond to any questions the board may have.
0: Board member questions on item 5.07. Move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Any final questions on the item? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. And move on to item 5.08, and this is the replacement of classroom projectors.
9: Also, Mr. Lane. Questions?
0: Approval. Okay, Mrs. Mack moved for the approval. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional questions regarding the item proposed? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Thank, Thank you. you. And we move on to item 5.09. And uh, this is a policy revision. And I turn to Dr. Fulton.
9: Yes, well, we're going to go into a series of policies here. This one actually is time sensitive. Um, we've had a great deal of discussion around our food service policy, This, the wording that's in this policy was put together by the, uh, uh, or approved rather for rec- being recommended to you by the policy review committee. Uh, I will add this, that although we have first reading next to it, I would ask the board consider uh, waiving the second reading and approving it tonight. That would help us to more effectively communicate with uh, parents going forward, should the policy be approved.
0: So to help with procedure there, each of the items that were read into the agenda that we approved at the beginning, list these as first readings, so I will, once we entertain the motion, I will see if there's an amendment to the motion to change it from a first reading to a final reading before we take final action on it. With that, uh, I'll seek a motion to approve, and then we can do questions.
2: So moved. Second. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Uh, Zila. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Um, Okay, so now we'll turn for any questions on the motion as presented.
3: I'll speak to it a little bit because I'm part of the policy committee. So we had a lot of discussion about this one, and uh, we know there's been a lot of attention to it as well this year. And um, I believe that um, the members of the policy committee are glad we're looking at it, um, committed to the policy but knowing that we need to make some revisions to the current policy because of the fact that we are our balances in the food service accounts continue to rise our negative balances by our our students and families so um, the one change that's basically in the policy other than um, a few things other, that are also changed but the main substantive change is that, that we would be sending uh, negative uh, student account balances to collections at the end of each semester instead of just at the end of the school year. Of course that won't happen this year. It'll happen at the end of this semester but going forward it would happen at the end of each semester and um, those families would be sent to collections that have negative balances over a certain amount. It doesn't really state which amount, what the amount is but that will be in procedures in, handled in procedures by the food service and the business office so um, everything else was just kind of a clean up I believe. And Ms. Ella, is there anything else that you
2: well I would just say that I, I think we pointed out in this policy and some of the red type that you see that it's um, the options of what you can do to pay on account so it's right there in the policy for anybody that's, that's wondering or has questions about you know what it is what's the structure of this policy so they will see all the different possibilities of paying and um, coming out of arrears if they are so.
3: I think that it was as I said before that um, we would love to continue this. We love the fact that we're giving students food every day and um, we just really hope uh, that we see data come in at the end of the school year that shows us that those balances have really come down that some parents have that maybe have decided that they're not going to pay till the end of the school year pay those balances off and that we see that data going forward. It may be that we have to revisit this if, you know, if these balances continue to go up um, like we've seen them this entire school, well, since it began in November. But um, at this point, I think we don't have enough data to to change to do a f- change or I don't know if the will is there really on the board to change it as well. So I think that we need more data and um, we'll see if we can hopefully encourage Parents to pay off those negative balances by the end of the school year. Look at the continue to look at the data because I think that we need to. And I I appreciate your diligence and the work that your staff has put into this this year because you've logged. I think I counted 80 hours of staff time that's been spent on over 80 hours um, calling parents and reminding them and um, encouraging them to get those balances back to zero or add money to the account. But um, anyway, so yeah.
2: And I would just also say that you know because we are um, cutting it off, basically it goes to a zero balance. So they're starting the new semester at a zero balance because that the former balance is the collection agency at that point. So they've got kind of a clean slate to start over, which I hope helps Nancy's staff to make maybe not quite so many calls, and hopefully folks will say if I should be paying,
5: I should be paying. So uh, that was the intent. Mrs. Mack. Um, thank you. I, um, I appreciate this policy being rewritten very much. I have a question on the donation part of it. Um, as I look past our... As I, and this one's... I'm going to be kind of more of a process person to start with or a policy person to start with and ask the, the policy committee as well. The one policy that I can see that we have currently on gifts and bequests is DFK, which states that income derived from gifts and bequests will be credited, if possible, as specified by the board. That is income derived from gifts. So my question is, is that when we look at this policy that is being brought forth, and I just clicked off of the gosh darn it, um, is that um, it says where donations will go. And While I certainly appreciate, I'm sure there have been many changes that this policy has looked at and discussions that that has happened regarding this, Um, I know my thoughts were that people wouldn't donate unless it was for people in need. But I'm wondering from a policy, straight policy perspective, if we can actually as a board say where the donations are going to go Don't people have the right to say where their donations are going to be best used? So that's kind of a try to not be a, you know, we we only want to give to these people and these people. Don't the donors have that right to say where the money goes?
7: One of the things we're going to do, and and, and let me share with you, too, the reasoning behind asking you to consider approving the policy this, this evening. And that is, we've got to develop, Nancy and her team, and I'll work with Nancy in developing guidelines to implement this policy. And these gu- guidelines will be very specific. They will be posted, they will be uh, on our website, they will be available to anybody that, for, for everybody to see. Um, so it'll be the how of we're going to implement your policy and included in that could be how we handle the donations but i can tell you a good portion of the at least part of the donations will be used to offset our free lunch kids when they and our reduced lunch kids when they make application they're responsible for for that debt and once it becomes debt then we cannot food service can't offset that. So once it becomes debt, then we would use donations to offset that for our free and reduced lunch kids and maybe even balances that our reduced lunch kids have moving forward.
23: And and I oh I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. As well Please. as if the patron designates where they want the money to go to, we follow what the patron asks. Okay.
5: Um, Because I know that, I mean, obviously there are students that are not going to be, they're not going to have the paperwork filled out. Mm -hmm. Their families are not. We're going to have students that are on the bubble. Right. That we're going to have students that are going to be in that gray area. And what has been our practice, I guess is the best way to say it, is that we didn't specifically say this we just did the best practice, which was we used those donations in a proper manner. This really codifies it. And I'm wondering if we codify it if we're limiting ourselves. Does that make sense
7: to you? I think one of the things that's happened here is Nancy and her team has has developed credibility out there with people that do make donations. Mm -hmm. And with that credibility comes trust. Right. Trust to make sure that those donations are applied where the where the greatest need is and i think that's attributed to nancy and her program and her team
5: and, and i uh, that's that's what i'm trying to reinforce please yeah. i hope i'm not making making you think that i don't think that because i'm want, i'm affirming that yeah. and i'm saying that if we write it like this then we're we're not going to be able to help some of those kids in the gray area that you know like building principles I mean, that's been our lifeline. That's why I've always asked, are there certain buildings where there are more students that are, you know, going into arrears? Because that's such a connection to be able to help those
23: And students. some of our buildings have their own donation accounts right. that we've created. And those principals call and say, I want this money to go da-da-da-da-da. And we follow their direction.
5: And that's so, why I'm... So we're all that, That's what makes together. me nervous yeah. is if we approve this...
0: I've that got we the policy won't be able to here. do that I'll read the policy that might speak to what you're talking about here, okay, so in uh, policy item k h um, oh
5: is there a different one okay.
0: yeah, it says that uh, gifts are evaluated on certain following circumstances, but one of the caveats is there is one that says um and now I've lost it, but it has to do with $500. Yeah, if a gift is received from one of the following sources, the principal or other administrator can accept the gift without consultation. And that's a gift from a PTA booster club, teachers, student organization, et cetera, or any gifts from any source under the value of under $500, as long as it complies with the standards. I don't know if that speaks specifically to you, but what it does is it allows discretion at the building level for all gifts received under $500. As long as it meets the acceptance process, it wouldn't flow through the board. It wouldn't flow through the district. It would go to the building, and the building person would be able to use the discretion to address that.
5: And, and so just, just to play devil's advocate here truly is that if that donation went through the district and we didn't have the need... I, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we, 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 we have,
0: have that, that as well. It, it, that it. It, any, any discontinued use of gifts, okay. th- it's addressed in okay. KH at the bottom. Okay. Mrs. Housley. So,
12: well, I'm, when you read it as a lawyer, it says donations will be used in this manner. And I think you could fix Patty's concern with a clause added that just said unless otherwise specified by the donor, like, just to fix it on the end. Um, because I do think that while the one policy allows for discretionary choices at the building level we're explicitly saying here that there isn't and I find it Correct. unlikely that a donor would call in with a large amount of money that would go to an account that wasn't a free and reduced lunch account But in the off chance that hypothetical were to occur you want Nancy to have the discretion Correct. to make the decision as to where that money goes well, so right, I
23: understand I what
12: you're saying
9: yeah.
23: it comes to you guys yep. I mean it's just the less than $500 that it comes to me
9: we can also, as part of our policy review, take a look at the policies that deal with donations, knowing that there's an intent to make sure that we have the ability for donated donations that are specific to uh, meeting the food needs of, of children or are able to uh, be donated in a way that, that the person giving the money intends for it to be spent. So we can, we can look at some of these other policies and Modify them. Well, I,
5: I think what Heather said, I mean, Heather, Heather's language addition would be I, right. something that I would vote for tonight.
9: Yeah, and that's something we'd go through as a policy review committee and, and uh, do that prior to the start of next school year.
5: But is that going to be hurtful because we need to get this done?
9: Well, it won't, it won't begin until uh, the start of the nineteen twenty school year anyway. Okay. So, no, we
0: have time. But to your question, we have a motion that's been moved and seconded as read. I'm going to seek uh, amendments to the motion and we can work through those too. And if there seems to be enough question, we can table the motion and have it go back to the policy committee for further revision before brought forward. But I turn back to the time sensitiveness or can we potentially approve it as seen today, go back and review how all other policies sync up against this one and then amend it or provide an updated version at a future meeting. Remind us real quick the time sensitiveness of this again.
7: Well, I think the time sensitiveness is is once we develop these guidelines, which will be pretty quickly, then we'll be meeting immediately with the principals, or Nancy will be, and her team will be meeting with the principals to get these guidelines out there, and then we'll be working to print those guidelines and get those ready for, for next school year. Okay. Mrs. Owsley.
12: Um, I just wanted to clarify because the sentence that provides parents of graduating seniors, i oh, no, wait, um, any student who leaves the district, including graduating seniors with an account balance owed will be turned over to collections. That account balance owed is with the parents of the senior. Is that correct? Or are we drafting a policy that allows us to turn 18-year-old graduates over no, to no, collections? it will go, okay, we'll go to the parents. It will go to the parents. Yes. Even yes, if they're 18 or yes, of yes. age of majority. Okay. Just clarify, Mr. Stratton. Yes, Mr. Um,
5: given what was just said, I you know I would um, just ask that the policy committee think or talk about what we discussed and and go ahead and move forward with this policy tonight. That okay. would be my um, that would be my what I would like to do. Okay,
0: thank you, <laughs> thank you. We have a motion before us. Any additional questions? And I will see if anyone is interested in amending the motion to remove the first reading and make it a final action this evening.
3: I'll amend the motion.
0: All right, and I'll put words in your mouth and say that the motion is that you would remove the first reading and make it final action.
3: I'll uh, remove the second reading and, and allow the first reading to be... Uh, That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> second. And thank you,
0: Mrs. Hila. Okay. So it's been moved, and I'm going to talk slowly as I watch our team <laughs> writing down there. Um, that Sarah moved that we removed the requirement for a first reading and make it a final reading. And Mrs. Hila. I'll
5: second uh, that. I think uh, Mrs. Hila did. Thank
0: Thank you. Any questions on the amendment? Seeing none, we're going to take a a vote on the amendment. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. So now we go back to the original motion, and the original motion is this uh, one that's before us, and we remove the first reading, and it's now considered final action. Any additional questions on the motion, the policy proposed? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Aye those opposed nay that passes six zero and that goes all the way back to that earlier motion you got that all right thank you all for walking through that and and thank you to the team who's spent a great deal of time collecting this information so we appreciate that uh we move on so we go to five uh five point one zero and this is a policy kbk sorry gbk dr fulton
9: this one's easy (laughs)
15: <laughs> uh,
9: we're simply uh, changing terminology from saying deputy superintendent to superintendent or designee. The reason for that is, is that when it's appropriate uh, by using the phrase superintendent or designee, it allows us to not have to go back and change these policies as often if that particular duty gets assigned to somebody else. So where, where we can we'll begin to insert that language
0: into our policy structure
2: move
0: approval. Thank you mrs. Zila. I'll second it Thank you mrs Goodburn it 's been moved and seconded to approve the revised policy GBk the suspension language and this is seen as a first reading would anyone like to amend that
3: I would like to amend that
0: Thank you to be mrs. final action Thank you Mrs. Goodburn and seconded by Mrs. Mack who was raising your hand there.
3: yes
5: I did
0: all right first we will uh, take action on the amendment to make it a final reading all those in favor please say aye 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 those opposed nay. The amendment passes 6-0. And uh, darned if I can remember if we actually took a motion on the actual.
3: Yes, we did, we did. We did did motions and seconds, but we did vote on
0: it Thank you. We will now uh, vote on the final action of the amended item, GBK. All those in favor, please say
6: aye. Aye. Aye.
0: Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. We move on to 5.11, library resources.
9: Now, having just said what I did, there are times when you do need to identify a specific person in a policy. This one deals with uh, concerns or complaints regarding instructional or library materials. You actually do need to have somebody assigned to serve in that role as, as hearing that concern. And this one changes it from the Chief Academic Officer to the Director of Curriculum Instruction and Assessment.
0: I'll move approval. It's been moved by Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Seconded by Mrs. Zila to approve item 5.10. Any questions or discussion on the full motion of the policy change? Any amendments to change this from a first reading to a final action?
3: I'll move that as well.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn.
3: Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Any discussion on the change to a final action? Seeing none, all those in favor of the amendment to remove the first reading and make it a final action, please say Aye. 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 Those opposed, nay? That passes 6-0. We go back to the original motion, 5.10. Any additional discussion?
3: 5.11.
0: 5.11. You are right. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye.
12: aye. aye.
0: Opposed, nay? That passes 6-0. to We are now on to 5.12, and this is revised board policy around field trips. First reading, Dr. Fulton.
9: Yes, and the specific change addresses... Uh, clearing up the language around uh, non-school sanctioned or school-sponsored field trips. Just to be clear on the fact that we're not sponsoring those and uh, that
0: the parents understand that. Thank you. It's been moved by Mrs. Hila. Thank you.
3: Second.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. It's been moved and seconded on the full policy change. I'll see if there's any motions to amend it from a first reading to a final reading.
6: I'll move.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Owsley second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. It's been moved and seconded to amend the motion. Um, I'll see if there's any questions about the change from first reading to final action. All those in favor of the amendment, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. We go back to the final uh, policy. Is there any questions on the policy? <clears throat> yes, Mrs. Mack.
5: I just have a question. If um, legal looked over the language. Right. Yes. council. So
0: Thank you. Yes. covered. Thank you. Any other questions on item 5.12? None. All those in favor, please say aye.
3: Aye. aye.
0: Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. We're on to 5.13, graduation requirements. And I was going to look out to see if there's any graduating seniors that might be interested in this one. <laughs> Not a big change, don't worry. Um, we are looking at policy item IHF, and this is graduation requirements. This is listed as a first reading. Dr. Fulton.
9: Yes, yeah, so I'll invite Dr. Hubbard to come forward and respond to any questions that you may have about this policy. Simply modifying our graduation requirements to reflect what we actually
0: do. More specifically, the 23 versus the 23.5. That's right. Okay. I'll right. first seek a motion to approve, and then we'll have questions. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Now, any questions regarding the motion? graduation requirements. Yes, Mrs. Mack.
5: It's a clarifying question, Um, Dr. Hubbard. Hubbard, I just wanted to make sure. Project Finish is specifically for people that have gone through eight semesters of high school. Is that correct?
1: Not only eight semesters, but also through October 1 after their eight semesters. Okay, thank you.
0: Any other questions on the motion? Yes, Mrs. Owsley. So
12: does that mean enrolled in eight semesters or the time for eight semesters has passed? Like if you dropped out at age 16 and didn't attend the completion of your junior and senior year, you would not have been enrolled for You,
1: eight you would qualify to enroll in after, October 1st after, after your graduating think. class. That's right. correct.
0: Okay. Any other questions on the proposed policy update? Uh, Yes, go ahead.
1: Did any
12: Olathe has this program? Is that correct?
1: There are several in the state, but yes, Olathe has one. Did their rates
12: of folks who dropped out go out go up after they implemented this program?
1: I do not know the answer to that. I can speak to um, Turner School District has one in Wyandotte County, and they have a huge enrollment rate. It did not impact dropout rate or graduation rate, to my knowledge. Thank you.
0: The questions on the motion? Would anyone like to make a motion to remove the requirement of a first reading? No. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Housley. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Any questions on the amendment? Seeing none, all those in favor of amending this to a final action, please say aye.
2: Aye. aye.
0: Those opposed, nay. That passes six zero 0 to amend. Now final action on the policy IHF, graduation requirements. Any the last questions. None. All those in favor of the policy update, please say aye. Aye.
6: aye.
0: Those opposed, nay. That passes six zero.
1: I just want to add one more comment regarding your question, Heather. Um, the one thing that I think is really important to note here is the reason it's October 1st is that we can still work with kiddos to get them through summer school. So if a kid is half a credit short or credit short, we're going to do everything in our power to get those kids graduated prior to October 1st.
0: Thank you. Next is item five point one four, and this is policy revision J B D. Absences and excuses. (coughs) I'll seek a motion, and then we'll consider it for discussion. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. (laughs)
8: Sorry, (laughs) it's all right. (laughs)
0: Um, All right, it's been moved and seconded to uh, approve the revised policy J B D. Any questions? All right. I will turn to the board to see if they'd like to amend this and make it a final action. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. It's been moved and seconded to make this final action. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0 to make this final action. We go back to the actual motion on the floor. Any final discussion? Yes, Mrs. Mack. I
5: just wanted to make sure that the only the only thing that is is being changed is under excused absence. There's a deletion under six. Is that it, or am I missing something?
9: No, that's correct. That is it.
5: That is that correct? And I and I would just the, the policy committee. Thank you guys for highlighting and all those kinds of things. It's hard sometimes to read when there's so much. I would ask that the policy committee also use that for board manual changes as well to see the highlighting and editing, because that really helps to see what changes have been made. So thank you.
0: Any other questions on the item? (coughs) Seeing none, all those in favor of approving item 5.14, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. We move on to item 5.15. This is board policy JBE related to truancy. I'll seek a motion and then we can discuss.
3: So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Anything to address on this one? No, just cleaning up language uh, to make sure it reflects current practice. Thank you. Any board member questions about the motion? Would any board member like to make it final action? So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any questions about making it final action? Seeing none, all those in favor of the amendment to make this consideration for final action, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes six zero. We now go back to the motion as a whole. Any questions? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes six zero. We made it. <laughs> uh, This shows the important work of the policy committee, so thank you for getting that committee up and running because there's good work to do and uh, there's many more coming down the pipe for that committee, so thank you for that. With that, we move on to item six, which is board comments. I turn to my board peers for any closing comments. Mrs. Mack.
5: Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Um, on May 10th, Mrs. Zila and I attended the wellness gathering at Shawnee Mission Northwest, and Dr. McKinney was there and hosted that evening. Um, and it was—it was, it was probably—I don't know—I counted 75 people, I think, in the in the auditorium that night um, to listen to the director of the Johnson County Mental Health. Um, Uh, organization, and then they had breakout sessions. Um, One of the organizations that was there is NAMI, um, National Association of Mental Health, and they are having a mental wellness day at the cave, Royals versus Yankees, on May 26th. That's that's a Yankee game. But um, it's one of the things that is being promoted. There's going to be a walk this weekend through Blue Valley School District. There's all these things for mental wellness, and I think um, the more we talk about these things and promote these items the more it is important for our community and I'm um, Becky Fast left but I think that that I think we have an opportunity to speak with her to work more directly with the county that was that's the first time I remember anybody coming to us specifically as a liaison for that and so I just I really appreciated her being here tonight um Speaking of of working together, um, there is a group um, of veteran moms from Broken Arrow Elementary School who are starting to organize volunteers to go back to Broken Arrow. And Dr. McKinney has graciously um, offered to meet with them and give them a training for MVP. And I just thought it was a a wonderful idea for veteran moms to go back and um, get that training and volunteer in schools where their students used to be. and the last thing I wanted to say was I wanted to give a shout out to one of our uh, newest doctors. That would be Dr. Jack Johnson at Shawnee Mission Northwest High School. It's um, quite a feat to do that while you're working full time and a parent and everything else. And he is a. Is, did he go to? Did he graduate from South, Mrs. Zila? I'm not exactly sure. I know his dad's there. His dad is yes. there as well. Yes. But congratulations to Dr. Jack Johnson. Okay.
0: Members, Mrs. Z.
2: and I will try not to belabor. Sorry about that, but I would agree with Patty. Thank you, Dr. McKinney, for that student wellness night. It was great. I was just disappointed that there were more people there to yeah. attend and just kind of get that information. Um, we also had, and Dr. Fulton highlighted that in his report about the the district. Each building nominated a person from their building to be Teacher of the Year. And we have never before had a reception where all of those people are honored. We just have the top candidates from elementary and from secondary that move on to our district or our regional competition, I guess. But it was so nice and it was so well done that everybody that was nominated by their building was honored that night and it was it was lovely it was a beautiful affair it was a nice reception out in in the hallway for their families and to attend and stuff so anyway i think um, Mindy and Brandy did an awesome job with that so i'm hoping that's a second annual third annual you know ongoing cuz that's a neat thing and also i'll just remind you that the Brookwood the new elementary school on 103rd in roughly mission um, We'll have their dedication this Thursday at 4.30. It's a beautiful building, so all the community is invited, of course, to attend that as well. So come see our newest, our newest gem in our elementary buildings there. So
0: thank you. Mrs. Goodburn.
2: I just
3: want to encourage everyone to go to the R&D Forum on May 4th. It is just a fantastic event. Um, And I love it that they even have interactive, the last couple years I've gone, I think they've had interactive things for kids to do as well in the hallway. Um, Different projects, art projects and things, but just walking through those hallways to see the art projects, the ceramics, um, the woodworking woodworking projects, um, the clothing project. I mean, just all of the different things. It's a really fun, fabulous thing to do and really celebrates the work of our students all year long. And so um, I'm hoping that we have lots of board attendance there. I know there's a ceremony for the, um, the winners, the award winners, um, on Saturday, May 4th in the afternoon later. But you can actually go, I think they said 9 to 4, so it's all day long that you can see. And it's really fun to take kids there. I mean, stay an hour or so and, and, and peruse everything. And it's just it's a great event. And I, it's been going on a long time in the Shawnee Mission du- School District. Over
2: 25 years, I know. So. Yeah,
3: so really long time.
0: Mrs. Housley.
12: So I had received some inquiries from folks about um, our opportunity to review the non-discrimination policy or the bullying policy and I talked to Dr. Fulton about it and um, I just wanted to have the opportunity to take these comments so that if people are watching at home and wanted to know what the answers to those questions were, um, the policy committee that I'm not on and thank you very much for all your work guys because clearly you did a lot this week. Um, Well, there may be like big meaty policies that take up a little bit more time and then the cleanup of the little ones that don't take that long. But we have another big meaty policy with regards to the recent case settlement with the ACLU and that that will likely, that needs to be done because of the settlement. So that will be the next big meaty policy. But then subsequent to that, um, the non-discrimination policy will be, you know, in the queue for review and discussion by the policy committee. So I just wanted to say that, so if anybody was paying attention to that, they would have that information. So thank you again, guys, it's very much appreciated.
0: Other board members. Uh, With that, uh, our next board meeting is May 13th, also known as graduation week. Anybody in this room plan to be graduating uh, that time? Raise your hand, really high. How many days left? It's
18: like-
0: oh, I thought you'd have a number, just shout it out, right? <laughs> it's marked on your wall. No. That's true. you got tests and stuff, too. Well, congratulations in advance. We look forward to seeing you at graduation. With that, our next meeting is May 13th, and, uh, and we are, now we're going to move to executive session where we have three items, but there will be no business conducted after that. Mrs. Owsley.
12: I move we go into executive session to discuss litigation with our legal counsel pursuant to the exception for matters which would be deemed privileged in the attorney-client relationship under coma, and the board will reconvene in the boardroom at, we need like 20 minutes or 25, 24 minutes and make it 8.50? Let's go to 9. 9, nine just make it 9? Okay, five minute break and then we'll reconvene at 9.
0: Thank you. That's a motion on the floor, and it's been seconded by Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of executive session, please say aye. aye. Aye.
7: Those opposed, nay. That passes 6 0. Thank you for being here. Good night.